0: What's up, Sifters? Game Face 42 in the house. We are here. It's Wednesday evening here on the West Coast. God knows what time of day it is, wherever you guys are watching. Uh, slow week for games, kind of, yeah. as far as games are concerned. Some
1: big stories, though. Big stories, no big releases.
0: Yeah, so we don't have any like huge games to really go in-depth about this week, but we have a bunch of really fun topics to talk about. Uh, first, The first thing I want to talk about before we get into the big six a game that has been one of my sort of personal favorites or at least a game I've been really excited over for the last year plus actually at this point Rhyme was a Playstation 4 exclusive, was supposed to be published by Sony this week it's announced that Sony has relinquished the rights to the game and given it back to the developers turns out that that footage that we're seeing right now was all fake this was all pre-rendered CG target footage. Mm. It was never a real game.
1: Well, that's unfortunate. It's
0: really unfortunate, and uh, I'm really disappointed. This is one of those games that really caught my eye at E3 last year. Uh, we've talked about it several times on the show. How this doesn't excited... look like there's
1: any reason it would need to be CG. Oh, there. I know.
0: I know. Well, I mean, look, they're going to create a target, right? Right. They're not going to create CG that makes it look unrealistic. But yeah, apparently this was never a real game uh, when mm-hmm. they made this footage. And the, the project has run into hard times. And who knows, Matt, if this game's ever going to come out. I guess one positive that came out of all of this is if it does come out, it will be likely available for multiple platforms and not just a PlayStation 4. Which is good news for, for most folks who may not have a PlayStation 4 and would like to play it. Although at this point, do people want to play it?
1: I still want to play. I mean, you know, it speaks to the Team Eco fan in me. Yeah. It's not like we get Eco games every five minutes or anything.
0: Well, it speaks to the Zelda fan in me, to be honest. It just looks like it was going to be, like, PlayStation's take on Zelda, to be honest. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I would count on this thing coming in the next couple of years. I mean, it looks like a really ambitious game to begin with, so...
1: Well, if Shenmue 3 can happen, anything can happen.
0: Well, that's true. <laughs> That's a good point. (laughs) Of course, that could also mean that we won't see this game for another 15 years. True. (laughs) True. So, yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about off the top of the show. A little disappointed in that. Um, Another thing we want to talk about is the GT crew, the former GT crew, finally announced what it is going to do. It is working on a brand new project called Easy Allies. Not 100% certain exactly what it is
1: to be honest. Well, like a weekly stream, I think. It's yeah, starting, I uh, mean, is. it's get, like... Getting eight of the guys together.
0: Yeah, for... I mean, I had uh, lunch with Brandon, and just so you guys know, I did mention this in the comments on Sifted for this video, but I did try to get Brandon to come over and work with us. In fact, I tried really, really hard to get Brandon to come over and work with us. Um, he was intent, from the first time I met with him, to do what what, he, what you're seeing right now, Easy Allies. I was hoping I could maybe change his mind uh, but I was unable to so he is uh plowing forward with uh, all the guys that he was working with at the end of GT and I guess the best thing I can tell is that they're gonna do lots of streaming and a podcast And I mm-hmm. guess they've hit goals to do a bunch of other stuff But looking at the yeah,
1: depending on, on how much they get per month uh, And they're up to about 30,000 a month in pledges right now and subscribers. I don't know what you call the patreon uh... Yeah Subscribers Pledgers pledgers, Backers Backers backers, uh, Subscribers Funders Yeah Um, They're up to about 30,000 Which uh, takes I mean their their maximum Stretch goal was like 50,000 for a new studio Which I don't think Is actually in the cards Anyway But like uh, So you know It sounds like They're being pretty ambitious Uh, I'm hoping that you know, Patreon funding has kind of a tendency to drop by about 40% after about 10 months or so, so I'm hoping that... The well, people... in 10 months,
0: if they make that kind of money, then they can actually do something. Right, but
1: I'm just hoping that, like, the people who pledge to do, to subscribe to this stuff, you know, stick with it.
0: Because, kind of funny, their, ple- their pledges, or whatever you want to call it, fell off pretty quick. I mean, they launched huge, like 80 grand a month or something ridiculous, and now they're down to, like, 20 or 30... And it's only been... How long has Kind of Funny been around now? Four or five months? Something like that? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember when they launched. But they've lost more than half of their initial pledges. So hopefully that doesn't happen to these guys. Um, looking at their goals and everything... The, the finances i don't know i know that (laughs) alley i'm not quite sure how they work out because if you split that money up between seven or eight people it doesn't amount to much well
1: they say in the in the pitch on the patreon page that you know this is not their full any of their full-time job at this point yeah uh maybe one day it could be if it you know if the funding sticks around if more people subscribe if they you know get some you know Backing from some other sources because if they are successful out of the gate, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, the one thing I would say about that is if they do get jobs in the games business at a website or whatever, it's going to be really hard to convince that new job to let them kind of moonlight yeah. on the side and do something like that. So really excited for these guys obviously have a lot of love for them hope that they do really well hope it succeeds good to see them finally getting it up off its feet um easy allies if you want to contribute i think it's just patreon.com slash easy allies if you want to contribute to their campaign i think if you
1: just google easy allies it'll auto complete the patreon at this point yep uh...
0: so another little bit of news we want to talk about that popped up yesterday red dead redemption two people that's some pretty awesome yeah. news. Not overall surprising, but...
1: No, if there was one other thing than Grand Theft Auto they were going to do, it would probably be this. Yeah. But, uh, well, for not, sure, yeah. I liked Red Dead Redemption quite a bit. Um, I did stall out in Mexico because I thought that part was pretty boring. Yeah. Um, I mean, the environment in general is kind of dull. But it's beautiful, and it like really captures the spirit, and it was a lot of fun.
0: What like, I really like about Red Dead is that...
1: It was a bit of a cougar simulator at times, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: what i love about red dead and what i love in general about rockstar games is how they have this ability to kind of capture the essence of a period of time Mm -hmm. and granted a lot of their games it's like the 80s or the 90s or the aughts yeah but they did the same thing with the old west yeah and And also
1: just the environment where this takes place is you know a about 30 miles east of here you know that's where that's where that basically that environment begins you know the the scrub desert and like you go out there i mean this is exactly what it looks like i mean the the light is just like the you know the sunset near the beach in santa monica in gta 5 like the light is perfect it's exactly what it looks and feels like to be there yeah. So, you know.
0: They're also great at writing characters, and they I feel like in Red Dead they did a great job with that as well. Because mm-hmm. it could just be kind of one note, Everyone's Yeah, listening. Marston
1: was a good character.
0: Not even just him, but like the other bit parts in the game as well. Like, that's really endeared to a lot of the characters in the game. Um, the ending had a pretty strong impact on me as well. They closed the game off in a mm-hmm. memorable way. Um, not sure how they'll pick up the sequel, but... Uh, Exciting nonetheless and just so you guys know what happened essentially was it was another resume leak leak where mm-hmm. Someone who was working on the game had it in their resume the resume went online Sleuthers found it um, It's crazy. So all the leaks now come from resumes
1: mm-hmm. and retailers <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> Except tr- for the NX stuff. Don't trust anyone you fire or Amazon.
0: Yeah, apparently so Really excited about Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, 2K has already said it's going to have a presence at E3, which is rare yeah. to never. So to me, there's a high probability that this will be one of the games <laughs> debuted at E3. there
1: would be plenty of space. Yeah, exactly. You could set up a whole ranch.
0: Because <laughs> typically what 2K does at E3 is they just have an investors' meeting. Yeah. And actually, some stuff has leaked out of investors' meetings. I think the first it was either the first footage of Grand Theft Auto 4 or 5 leaked out of that investor meeting. I think that, that was five. Was it five?
1: It was either that or at least news that it was happening.
0: Yeah, there was actually like leaked footage that came out of one of those. So even if they don't do a proper press conference or whatever, although what I'm guessing is going to happen is it will either be at the Microsoft or Sony press conference this year. That's yeah, my guess. I would think. so. And
1: I'm guessing Microsoft because they've got Red Dead Redemption on deck for the backwards compatibility on the Xbox One. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, I think that was leaked or it went up by accident. So a couple people got hold of it, were able to, to buy it or activate well, it by accident.
0: Well, went up, people found it. Yeah. It went down.
1: So I would guess it would be Microsoft. Yeah. Um, it would it would help fill a couple of holes. Well, I think
0: Microsoft sure. may be learning a hard lesson about, and you know, it actually taught this lesson to everybody else about how important it is to give the illusion that a game is kind of hitching its horse to your wagon. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, with PlayStation, it was Battlefront. Yeah, Uh, You know, everyone, the way the commercials and the marketing went for that game, you would would, would think that it was like a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And, uh, you know, Microsoft did that last generation with a bunch of franchises, Mm -hmm. most importantly, Call of Duty. And so maybe this might be Microsoft's attempt to get back into that space where they associate themselves with the marketing around this Mm -hmm. game and people start to assume, oh, and maybe they get exclusive DLC for this game, which with Rockstar, who knows what that'll even be at this point. We still have no story DLC for GTA V. And they say
1: there won't be any.
0: Have they said that?
1: Uh, that's what I heard. From I,
0: I don't think they have actually confirmed that yet. I think it's been, like, they've been weird about it, but mm-hmm. I don't think they've actually said, like, definitively that they're not doing it. I think it. if
1: there was going to be some, we'd have seen it. I'd agree
0: with that. Like, I would say the chances of it happening are probably yeah. at about 20% right and now. it's a
1: shame, because, like, there's a lot more you could do with it. Oh,
0: yeah. World. I mean, that game... I can't believe they haven't put out story. The problem is they're making so much money off Grand Theft Auto Online that mm-hmm. they're like, no why? Reason. why would we take these guys off of this easy money... To create story DLC, which may or may not hit if it doesn't get great reviews. So I would love story DLC yeah. for that game. And I
1: loved, uh, you know, I loved the heist update. It was a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun. Although it was playing like that.
0: delayed, like oh yeah, forever. forever but like, forever, like, when it yeah. finally
1: came out, it was great. Yeah. Uh, but I really wish there had been like you know an equivalent of the Ballad of Gay Tony for yeah, yeah. you know because. Ballad of Gay Tony was where they really like, took the safeties off everything yeah, yeah. In, in that one. They can know. do
0: that with DLC, though, because they don't yeah. have to count on the entire user base experiencing something. Right. So, but, like,
1: I would love something that crazy in GTA 5, because GTA yeah. 5 was already pretty much at the level of Ballad of Gay Tony anyway. Yeah. So, if you take that, you know, you, I mean, you're you're wandering in Saints Row territory at that point. Man. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I would have loved to see them, see them go a little unhinged on that. Yeah. But, you know, the mod scene kind of does that for you now on PC, so maybe maybe that's... What they kind of are counting on to keep it alive
0: it could be so regardless no matter where who markets the game really really excited for red yeah. dead um where, wherever you need me to go yeah exactly <laughs> it sure looks like in a month or two we'll finally get, be able to check out the game for the first time i can't wait to see the game running on yeah. new gen hardware
1: Cause that game, i mean that game was a almost it a already miracle. It, i mean look at what yeah. we just
0: were looking at that game still looks stunning after oh, yeah. all this time so
1: and it never had a pc version
0: oh yeah you're right crazy yeah, that is crazy. All right. Well, that's it for the intro to the show. It's time to get to the B I G S I X. So, Matt, we've talked about the division on this show mm. ad nauseum. We talked about I it too. Play the week. division
1: ad nauseum. Ad na-
0: mm. uh, that's pretty much what <laughs> you have to do if you're going to play the division. Uh, We talked about it two weeks ago when when it came out. We talked about it a little bit last week. I'm bringing it up again. We're going for the trifecta with the Division. And it's because I have an issue with it that's really bothering me. And what's really bothering me is the always online functionality for the game. I have been burned by this. I can't tell you how many times and in multiple ways. So the first way I've been burned by it is the litany of crash bugs that are in this game. And the crazy part about the crash bugs are like they're all named something. They don't actually give you like error codes. Like they're, they just Mike. have like, yeah, they have weird names that are associated with them. And, so, you, you use those, you try to find like, information online to help you search for it, but when you search for it, because the words are so common, like, it's really hard to find like solutions, and in the end of the day, there really are no solutions. No. It's just busted. Solution netcode. is
1: wait for them to get it together.
0: Yeah. And look, sometimes it's hit or miss. Sometimes you get dropped. If you're playing by yourself and you get dropped, it really frickin' sucks, because you basically lose all your progress on whatever mission you were doing, and you get kicked mm-hmm. like, back to whatever the last safe house was that you were at, or back to the base. If you're playing with others, it's not quite as bad because like, you do get booted, but if you're fast enough, it will actually kind of respawn you back with the people you're playing competitively with, hopefully before mm-hmm. they've actually finished the mission. I actually had a case where we were fighting the final boss on a mission, and it crashed. I got kicked out, and by the time I came back, they had already completed the mission, and I got screwed. Mm-hmm. So let's start talking a little bit about the history of Always Online. Mm-hmm. So sort of one of the first big cases of it was SimCity ea's world building game mm-hmm. that you know it kind of came under fire for the whole world building or for the uh for the always online drm mm-hmm. at first everybody knew about that but the big problem was when the game launched because it was it always online it didn't work and people were completely unable to play the mm-hmm. game
1: and there was the claim the ea made some claim that like they were using some kind of cloud computing that the game couldn't run offline because they were doing too much of it online to make it work and then i think a few days later like someone in the in the community <laughs> like cracked it so it worked offline and was fine so everyone was like uh what and so i think there's a lot of there's been a lot of like dishonesty in the presentation of the always online drm idea to the to the consumer base in the first place so like there's no reason to trust what anyone says about it at this point.
0: Yeah, well, that was kind of the precedent, right? That yeah. was the first one, and I feel like that kind of put everybody on guard mm-hmm. going forward.
1: I mean, people were already on guard because of Diablo 3 doing that, even if you wanted to just play solo. Right. Um, and Well, that wasn't really a problem too much because, yeah, I mean, Blizzard's pros, they knew, you know, you know, you couldn't get online the first night without, like, waiting yeah. for a while, but, like, after that, they, it was ironed out and it wasn't really a big because who doesn't have a PC that's online all the time, right? Right. But, like, SimCity was the one where it was, like, we're just not even going to, you know, it was specifically supposed to be anti-piracy, but it's a classic, you know, example of an anti-piracy technique only hurting the people who legitimately bought the game.
0: Yeah. And so, the, you're right. You know, Diablo three was another one of the early cases where people were kind of like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. Like, how's this going to work? Yeah. Then we have the announcement of Xbox One at E3. Mm-hmm. Where they're talking about how the console has to be connected all the time, you don't own your games, blah, blah, blah. There was a huge backlash over that, which made Microsoft completely reverse its course and come more in line with PlayStation. Although Sony also initially
1: was going to have the same
0: exact system. And only because Microsoft went first was it able Mm -hmm. to watch that debacle and see the reaction to it. And suddenly adjust its press conference. Wouldn't it
1: be interesting to see a world in which Sony went first?
0: It would be. Because it could have changed everything. If Sony had gone first and they announced that, which they were supposed to, then it's reversed. Then Microsoft Mm -hmm. watches the reaction to Sony's announcement and then Microsoft juggles its press conference and changes it for... it. And it could just be... Everything could be flip-flopped over Mm -hmm. that. And it is kind of funny the way people are. Like, just consumers in general, Mm -hmm. like... You know they'll never know that Sony also had the plan to do yeah. that as well. Well, and the also... only reason it changed its mind was because it saw people freak out over Microsoft. But then, right. which is people... a good reason to
1: change your mind. It is for yeah.
0: sure. But then people crown Sony as like right. this consumer friendly, consumer friendly
1: thing. Well, that's the thing is like there's so much anti corporate like sentiment around Microsoft because Microsoft, you know, Microsoft has been you know the Windows monster for years and years. But it's like, you think Sony's any less of a corporate monster? I mean, when you really get down to it.
0: We'll actually get into that a little bit with the third topic of the big six. That's sort Mm -hmm. of the overriding theme of the PS4.5 discussion that we're going to have. PS4K.
1: Yeah, whatever the (laughs) hell you want to call it.
0: Um, And then so, Watch Dogs. I don't know if you remember Watch Dogs or not, how they handled the the always online and that. So it wasn't required Mm -hmm. with Watch Dogs that you're always online. But here's the thing. If you tried to disconnect a message would come up saying hey you right. probably don't want to disconnect that because if you do we're going to wipe some of your stats
1: mm-hmm. you so, had you had the certain skills that would only level up while you were online
0: yep exactly and not only that like it would wipe some of the stats mm-hmm. from your account which is insane
1: yeah and but it, like the, those skills were kind of meaningless like they weren't right. useful particularly especially compared to the skills you upgraded but with your like you know your experience points or whatever but it's still like like my question I guess on things like that is like, did, did you think people you think people are gonna take kindly to that? Like like where do you think this is going to help you more than it hurts you? Well
0: here's the thing, people complain. Like if you Google it, you'll find oh, yeah. just tons of articles, message board
1: posts, threads. And, the, and that's it's like there's no way to win in that situation because if you don't mind it, you're not going to say anything. You're not going right. to go online and be like, "I love that." If I don't want to be online, I lose my skills. You know, so it's either like you either yeah. get super pissed off, or you're like, "Well, whatever." Like, there's no positive reaction to that.
0: Right. Like- and so, where where Microsoft learned a, learned a lesson from that, Ubisoft did not. In fact, it went all in
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the division, which is crazy because it obviously saw the fan feedback. Because, you know, there's that whole play thing that they do, and, like, they... Well, now it's
1: uh, Ubisoft Club or right. whatever. Right. But
0: they've been, like, kind of a, a driving part of this DRM thing, kind of mm-hmm. from the beginning. Um,
1: and they're trying to disguise it now as, like, oh, it's cool you get to, like, join things and... Unlock stuff with points you earn through achievements and stuff, but it's still like you know you're still just being watched.
0: And you're all so, you're right, and you're also just going to a website as well. Right, it's, like, it's not really like integrated into the game per se.
1: No, and it, but like it's that whole thing. Unlock things now, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll unlock things. Hey, it's just a stupid thing where I have to like un- use points to unlock a hat. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's nothing to I don't it. even
0: use that that stuff anymore. Um, so then then came Destiny. Destiny, mm-hmm. an always online game.
1: Um, It's an MMO. I mean, you know, kind of expected. I mean,
0: you can say that about the division too, though,
1: right? I mean, the division and and Destiny being always online don't bother me at all. But it does bother me because,
0: so you know, we didn't get this game to review until it came out, Mm -hmm. and our my eval still not up because of that. We didn't get any lead time on it, and so it's a huge game, and I've spent a ton of time on it already. I'm still not ready to do the eval, but now that I've played it, we totally could have been playing this game. This game could totally play offline. Like, it doesn't need to be online. You could play it offline by yourself. It would be a lot harder. <laughs> I know that because I tried to play it by myself mm. for probably the first, like, ten levels and then realized that it was stupid and I should play with other <laughs> people, and it was became a cakewalk after that. But you can totally play that game offline. You could play Destiny's single-player stuff offline, mm. although you would lose a little bit of the spontaneity. And that's one thing I would say about The Division that I don't like as much as Destiny is you don't have, like... These events that just pop up that other people can help you with mm. like in destiny like just out of nowhere like a creature would spawn
1: and all, so mm. all of a
0: sudden you have like four people running in to like help you fight yeah, this the creature. zone
1: missions and yeah, stuff, yeah
0: like you don't get really any of that type of stuff in unless you're,
1: unless you're in the dark zone
0: right but if you're playing like the normal missions or whatever like you don't get just impromptu mm. help from people
1: some I mean here's the funny thing is that um, I don't, I, I have enjoyed having The Division online all the time because I have had more people randomly, you know, that I know, that I've played with before, they're on my friends list randomly jump in and join with me while I'm running around in the... Because you can see people on your friends' yeah, list yeah. on the map and just join them. I've had more people do that in this game than any other game I've ever played. No, no, no. Like it's, it's incredible. Look, it, it, I, I don't, don't know what it wrong. is about this game that makes people willing to jump in, whereas they don't with because any other game. Because it's
0: easy and it's really slick. Yeah. And it's not like... And I, the other thing is it's on the fly. Like, you don't have to all sit in, like, a lobby mm. and wait for, like, oh, is he in yet? Is he... always oh, here. Oh, he just dropped. Is he... Like, it's just you go play. Mm. And then everybody who's on your friends list can just find you, click on your icon, and immediately get warped like right yeah. to where you are. There's no organi- organizing that needs to be done to be a part mm-hmm.
1: of it. And I just find the Dark Zone. You know, now that I'm 30 and you know, you know, we've, I've got a group of four and we're all 30 and we're running around through the Dark Zone most. Of the, like, there's nothing in Destiny that's as compelling as the Dark Zone. No, me. no. Look, like, I'm, I'm not like,
0: arguing which game is better. Right, or but more. I'm saying
1: like the online, always online element of Destin of uh, Division. They're both these, huh? of the division has like enhanced the game for me in in except for you know and i haven't had really many but see i don't think that you
0: need you haven't had any no what i
1: mean besides when they keep going down for maintenance and didn't tell us the first couple times and the first night when you couldn't get on
0: i have had
1: and look i'm
0: playing this way after it came out there Mm -hmm. has been a huge patch i have literally been kicked out of games this is not an exaggeration at least 30 times wow booted out completely out of the game at least 30 times I have, at least
1: i have lost connection on division twice once because my rate router crashed and what? booted me out. And then the other night Sifters,
0: na- in the comments. I want to see am I an anomaly here?
1: Two nights ago we got trapped in an elevator in one of the maps. Like you're supposed to hit the elevator and leave yeah. that map. The, the the mission where you fight the first big flamethrower guy when you get the, the, the tech dude. Yeah, yeah. Um we went in the elevator, hit the button, and it, it went dark and it reloaded and we were in the elevator and we couldn't get out. We were just trapped in an elevator. No, I it, just had straight. And crash so we had to, I tried to like fast travel out of it and it froze on the load screen and I had to reboot and we lost the mission. Or any of you guys um, That's the a only attack? two times Other than launch night Where none of the servers Worked at all For like yeah. two hours uh, After launch day I have not had A connection problem With that game once except, Wow Except for my router crashing And the, that bug With that mission that. It happens
0: up. to me Every time I play it
1: Every time yeah. At uh, least
0: once Every time I play it Every session I've had
1: Is is crashed at least once had, And then like The people I play with like we maybe Like the one guy Who has a shitty connection In New Jersey We lose him about Maybe once a night. Right,
0: but that's his connection. I have a yeah. great connection. Like my connection is beastly. Like mm-hmm. generally, like if I play online games, I usually have like the lowest ping in the room. No, I've seen
1: I've seen a ton of weird little like glitchy things in the game, but in terms of staying connected, haven't had a problem. Man, at all. am I alone here, guys? So I'm like, I'm, so that's after like about sixty
0: hours. Every, a lot. Of, you're right. A lot of people here are saying play twenty hours, never disconnect once. Wow, what the? That blows mm-hmm. my mind. I have no problems with any other games. Never mm. dropped my connection. Nothing. No other issues. Never had a problem with Destiny. But hmm. this one, it just crashes all the time. And it'll come up with the screen. It'll have, like... Mike. Four, eight,
1: five, three, Mike three, three, or yeah.
0: Knight or whatever.
1: I got all... When, when, when the connection problems on the first night, I got a lot of mics and I got a lot of Romeos.
0: Yeah. And that's in addition to... And Dwayne's. Dwayne. That, and that, that's in addition to... Just their problem, like, their scheduled maintenance that seems to happen, like, every other night or whatever.
1: Yeah, on, like, a Swedish time zone line. So it's just that happens at, like, perfect prime playing time here. Well, it happens at
0: 1 a.m. usually
1: here. Because Mm. I was
0: playing the other night. It was 12.30. And one thing I will say that's cool about how they do it is they there's, like, a message up on the screen the whole time.
1: Yeah, well, because the first time they did it, they didn't have anything. And it was just suddenly dropped. It's like a countdown, which is good. Because you're
0: like, okay, I can finish this mission go back to the safe house, basically mm-hmm. spend that 20 minutes that you spend after every mission right. shuffling through your inventory and everything. Um, so yeah, I look, I do, I love the connectivity of this game. I absolutely love it. When it works, it's, it's amazing. It's slick, it's cool. It's like next gen, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. Like, But it's not, the hassles I've been having are not worth, and I guess I'm, a, I'm on an island here with this, which is weird, but it's not worth it to me when I can play this game offline and not have any issues at all. And the other point I wanted to get to is that, like, so I have a little brother who lives in a rural area of our country. And he has satellite internet, Oof. literally. He Oof. has to get internet from a satellite dish. That's rough. And he can't play these games mm. at all. He cannot play Destiny. He, he wants to so bad. He cannot play Destiny. He cannot play The Division. Like, I talked to him on the phone last week. He's like, well, what's up with the division? Is it good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm enjoying it. And he's like, lucky you. Like, he literally cannot play the game.
1: What does he do that he lives out in rural wherever?
0: It's just where his, he lives. It's just worked out that that's where mm-hmm. he ended up. So, look, there's lots of places in our
1: country that are like that, man. Call Google. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he can't. Camp- Lay some fiber. Yeah, exactly. We have a terrible, like, broadband infrastructure in this country. Like, that should really be something that, like, is being upgraded in general here. I mean, it sucks that like, there's so many places that, like, that's a big problem because well, the they, fiber like, there's it, no they reason they shouldn't it. have it. They just haven't
0: connected it. In fact, like, I can't get fiber at my place here in L.A. It's The lines are out there on the street, mm. but they just haven't tapped into it yet. And so they're slowly, like, and they've laid down this fiber in the 80s, by the way, which is insane. It's been there all this time. Because they knew eventually it was going to be able to send information very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we're, I feel like we're getting off off on a tangent here a little bit. But
1: Somewhat, but it's also like that's. I mean, that's who you should be thinking of when you talk about these always online. Because again, the division and yeah, if you live out in the middle of nowhere you're not going to be playing a lot of MMOs. Sorry. Like, that's just the price you pay. On the flip side, you don't have to wait in traffic very often. Well, so. But look, there's but other like, parts of it too, though. It's but like, but like, if, like, the thing that bothers me is stuff like uh, SimCity or Diablo, where it's like, if you just want to play a solo game that's clearly just a solo game and doesn't involve, like, you know, stuff like the Dark Zone idea or, like, all that kind of thing, like, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to play it. Right. Especially when it wanders into DRM territory. Which is what is it what is. it bothers me.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't feel like... It's, it's like a thinly like, veiled, like, DRM. I don't know if I feel like that about Destiny... That's Desti- what it was De- with
0: Watch Dogs, though. It was,
1: but I don't think, know if I feel like that about, watch, uh, about uh, Destiny or Division. Like, the concept of those games lend themselves to being online all the time.
0: But I'm, I'm arguing it doesn't. Like, I don't really see any reason why this game needs to be online all the time. Sure, if I'm going to go into the Dark Zone or if I want to play cooperatively, there should just be an option there for me to play cooperatively or for me to go to the Dark Zone. Like, the Dark Zone is kind of this weird cordoned-off thing anyway where you kind of go through a gate and then, like, it loads the whole thing in. It's basically a glorified menu anyway. Like, and here's the other part of it, too, is in 10 years' time, are you going to be able to play The Division, Matt?
1: I don't know. I don't think I'd want to. (laughs) Why not? People still play
0: World of Warcraft.
1: Well, not as many as they used to. There's still 5 million
0: people playing it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't bother you? To think that this is a game that you may never be able to play ever again at a certain point?
1: Not really. Why? Look at the, the old
0: game we just did last week we talked about a bunch of old games that we loved and mm-hmm. you know propeller well, all these I, games
1: because i think the, the way you would play the division like 10 years from now is you'd get a cheap pc version you know however you do that and uh, someone would have a you know a player run server up you know it's just like all the defunct mmos now
0: but it but it, it's it's completely changing the business it's like i buy something and it's really what it is is like It's what the graphics says right now. We're losing control over things that we're buying. Like these are the first steps towards it. Like they control everything now. They can take down the servers. I can't play the game I paid $60 for. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is insane. I paid for this. I didn't rent it. I didn't get it from Gamefly. I paid money for this game and they can tell me when I can and cannot play the game. For instance, I'm trying to get through the game for review and they're just like we're taking the servers down. I can't hmm. play the game. I'm like, man, like I need to play this damn game. Like that is insane. To me, it is insane.
1: It's not like it's new. If you have a Steam account, if Steam goes if Steam decides to disappear tomorrow, you lose everything on that unless Valve is nice enough to let you download everything and keep right it. but I, look
0: i don't have a huge steam library anyway and pretty much everything i got on steam was sent to me by publishers for a review yeah or well most people who
1: have steam accounts did not get all that sent to them by publishers they right. bought them i know that, they but did, it's the same but they boat bought it's the that, exact no... same boat
0: yeah but it's not the same boat though
1: it it's some other entity can take the things you paid money for away and you can't do anything about it right it's the same thing so but you're saying that's okay
0: just because I'm not saying it's okay, it
1: but that is how it is. Like, what do you want right. to do? Right, and
0: I'm saying it sucks. Like, they need to stop it. I agree it sucks, <laughs> but they're not
1: going to stop it. Because that's how it works now. Certainly not Ubisoft.
0: See, I, I never agree with, like, let's just sit back and take it. Like, that's just not my personality. Well, well, what are you
1: going to do? The, th- the fucking game sold more, more than any other Ubisoft game has ever sold in its first week. How are you going to convince Ubisoft that they're totally doing that wrong?
0: Well, you can't with sales, but I feel like that was also manipulated by Ubisoft by not sending the code out early. Because right now the Metacritic's sitting at, like, a 7.9 for this game. And mm. I guarantee you, if the reviews had gone out before the game came out, it wouldn't have sold that much in the first X amount of months. It still would have sold fine. I don't necessarily
1: agree with that because was it six to seven million people played the beta? They knew what they were buying. They liked what they were buying. They didn't need reviews to tell them that. Yeah,
0: I don't know about that.
1: The, I mean, you don't obviously you don't, have you a, don't know. I mean, you played the first pr- like
0: two hours. You don't know if it's going to stay that way for the whole time. Sure, some people may have liked the first couple. I liked the first couple missions, but now. I'm, like, 30 hours into the game, and I'm sick of the fucking missions. Like, Okay,
1: well, how far do you have to go before you know whether you want to spend 60 bucks on something? That's kind of the eternal question. And, I mean, if I played two hours of something and I really liked it, and, you are know, playing the open beta, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I said, okay, I'll get the, I'll get the game. So, yeah. like, that was enough for a whole lot of damn people, apparently. Yeah, but there's um, a lot
0: of people who aren't happy that they bought the game. There's some people on Sifted that are like, I regret this. Like, I wish there were reviews out before the game came out. I bought it because of all the hype and blah blah blah, and now I here I sit with a game that I played for a couple hours and I want to touch again. Like, mm. it happens. And you know what? Over time, like you keep doing stuff like that, it will create negative consumer mm. sentiment, and maybe it does eventually have an impact.
1: But yeah, but we keep saying stuff like that about Ubisoft games, and their games keep breaking records. So well, who's buying Syndicate these things? Syndicate didn't.
0: That- Syndicate tanked by, relatively speaking, compared to other Assassin's Creed games, so much so Mm. that there's not one coming this year. So it does have an impact sometimes. And that's all I'm saying here, is that what's happening to me is wrong. And I'm, look...
1: Yeah, but the problem with with what happened with Syndicate was because the previous game was a buggy mess. It wasn't because it was online at the time. Right, so the Division...
0: For me, it is kind of a buggy mess. I'm having a lot of issues. I'm sure I'm not the only person. Somewhat, but I'm not crashes. seeing that as
1: a constant complaint about the division. I'm seeing people mostly saying like it's boring. Like you've done, right. it, you, it's like two, three emission types. And right, and that's what it. I'm
0: saying. Like those people like bought it sight unseen without the reviews, and now next time when Division Two comes out, they're going to be like, wait a minute. I'm gonna wait till I see some reviews for this game before I just blindly plunk down my sixty dollars. So, Probably,
1: but that's also what keeps being said about the Far Cry stuff and Far Cry Primal sold like crazy. So, and the reviews know, did come uh, out of time crazy,
0: now. but it sold pretty it well. It sold
1: pretty damn well. Yeah, it was number one.
0: And look, I hate the argument that like that's the way it is. So freaking deal with it. Like I feel like if you. You can make a difference. You can change your behavior. You can bet with your cash, and or you can make your statement with how you spend your money, and you can change things. And so I'm never the one who just turtles up and says, I'm just going to take it. Like, I'll never be that way. Well,
1: what are you going to do? Like, just don't buy the division, I guess. Well, this is the start
0: so- right here. I'm talking to all the people on the stream, all the people on Sifted. Every one of those people knows 10 people, and that's how things change and how they spread. You can't just sit there in a corner and say, oh, I'm just going to take it. Like, if you do stand up and say this is wrong, maybe one out of the tw- of the 20 people are like, I think it's wrong too. And then they say it's wrong, and then one out of their 100 followers on Twitter says that's right. And like, that's how change happens. And just saying that's the way it is and it's never going to change, and that to me is the wrong approach to ever take with stuff like this because this is crazy anti-consumer, anti-consumer, and people you know, hated Microsoft because they initially had an anti-consumer plan. Well, here's another one, you know? Right. So maybe when Division 2 comes out, people will remember this, and they'll be like, you know what? I'm going to wait. And they don't have that huge rush of sales out of the gate like they did with this one. So, mm-hmm.
1: so but see, here's the thing is I think uh, the majority of people who play games have given up on the idea of counteracting this kind of anti-consumer practice, I think the ship has sailed in a lot of ways and I think one of the reasons the reaction to Microsoft's anti-consumer idea was so virulent and so violent, well, not violent, I mean not like you know, we, Oh there probably we, we was some violence out. somewhere. Right, <laughs> but like, I mean someone probably punched a wall or two, sure. But like the, 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 the reason that was so uh, vehement, I think, was because uh, if Microsoft had implemented that strategy that takes away your primary recourse against this kind of like against the divisions type of anti because like what happens basically if you're not sure you're going to like it or you don't like it, you take it back and you, you sell it you sell yeah. it off you know you bring it back but if you know Micro- Microsoft was going to take that option away so like at least you know kind of you you're out in this situation as long as you don't buy digital and I think people who aren't sure of a game are smart enough not to buy digital yeah. for the most part um. Your option is like, well, I paid sixty dollars for the division. I didn't like it. I, I played like four or five hours of it. I'm sick of it. I'm going to take it back. Get like, I don't know how much money you get if you take back like a three day old game. Probably a game. Like forty so bucks. Like forty bucks. Forty five yeah. bucks. Maybe if you're lucky. Yeah. Um. So you you know you didn't eat the whole thing. You paid about yeah. the cost of a movie to play enough of a game to know you didn't like it. The other But part if but but Microsoft is implements it? that other anti-consumer practice, you no longer have that option. You're just and you know now Microsoft put up that poll that was like, would you sell? Would you sell a digital, digital game digital back, back for 10% yeah. of the price? It's like yeah. for a $60 game, we're going to give you $6. Yeah, yeah. That's your <laughs> that's your plan. Yeah. Uh, like I'd rather you give me nothing at that point. Like that that just feels like I don't even understand what That feels doing like that. tipping me a penny.
0: Why are they doing that though? Cuz it's not like they have to like resell that exact code that you use to download the game. Well, like... I think
1: they're just trying to make you feel a little better about investing this money into the Xbox Live service you're never going to be able to get back. But like Throwing six bucks a credit at me is like yeah, that's it's a I, you're in just, face. yeah you're just making you're just pissing me off. Then
0: here's the final angle of this whole thing, and that is that there aren't that many games that do this. Like literally, mm-hmm. when I was preparing the show and researching for the show, I mean literally the games that we've talked about here in the last fifteen or twenty minutes are really the only games that do it. Like it's not this crazy, like prevalent thing that's happening all mm-hmm. over the industry. It is still an isolated case with a very yeah.
1: and also look at the you know on the, on our list here. Mostly EA and Ubisoft. EA and Ubisoft, yeah. I mean, yeah. It almost
0: all is, yeah. And they're the ones who have kind of adopted those policies. Yeah. Consequently, at least EA is one of the most hated publishers yeah. in the And universe.
1: also, I mean, you know, I enjoy a lot of the games that come out of Ubisoft and EA, but they are also the two publishers, that I'm just like, watch them very yeah, closely. Yeah. You know, for like, sure. Like, you, know, you never quite know where they're going. You know, I love SimCity, but I've never played that, that game, whichever SimCity this was. Yeah. Uh, was it 6? I don't or even six? know.
0: No, it wasn't 6.
1: Whatever that well, they war- never numbered it right. for this one. They just, oh yeah, they just started they pressed a reset because yeah. that's what we do now. Yeah, we just, <laughs> just
0: like Need for Speed. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, but I've never played that because I'm just like, well, no, I don't like it enough to you know whatever whatever I, joy I might get out of that game is not going to be enough to warrant like sitting there thinking about you know even if it's not like that anymore like yeah. that's gross to me.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, people may be sitting there watching this show either on the stream or on the archive right now saying Shane's insane, like it's wishful thinking, it's pie in the sky stuff. It's not. Like, literally, if enough of you guys just go on Twitter and go at Ubisoft US and complain about stuff like this, like, it changes things. Like, it really will make a difference.
1: Use all caps, though, so they can hear you (laughs) through all the money they're buried in.
0: Right, right. But, I mean, seriously, like, you can start a hashtag. Everyone uses a hashtag. You can really affect change now more than ever. Like, in the past, it's true. Like, you really had no recourse. You were just this... Mm -hmm person living somewhere you probably didn't even have like a mailing address to mail a letter to a video game publisher now with social media you literally have a direct line you don't need me you don't need matt you don't need anybody you have this direct line to the publisher. so mm. to me now more than ever the consumer the gamer can actually affect change they did they made microsoft completely reverse its entire strategy that i guarantee you it had worked on and researched for years, mm. and all it took was one little social media storm for them to about face. Look at, there's so many things that have happened this way. Look at all the little uproars we have over like misleading translations or changing games or censoring games that come over from Japan, like it works. And so it is kind of isolated right now, which is why I haven't completely flipped my lid over this yet. If this was like mm. every game, like I would literally lose it and I would start to t- try to start a hashtag to stop it. but. As it stands right now, we've got one, two, three, like, six games, like, ever that have really adopted mm-hmm. this policy. I'm sure there's a few other, like, smaller, And like, I still MMOs don't and... quite
1: get on board with The Division and Destiny being on that list. but Because, you know, you could technically play World of Warcraft on f- offline, too, if you really wanted yeah. to. But, like, no. It's just not what they're making. It's just not how it works. Yeah. But there's no reason for that Need for Speed game to be online all the time. And certainly there's no reason for a single-player game like SimCity... To be checking whether you're a real customer or not every five seconds. So yeah, yeah stop it. Stop yeah. that. Like, if it's if it's part of the gameplay, if it enhances the experience, that's one thing. But if it's just like you want to check that I actually paid for the game I bought, like, a uh, screw you for like instantly. I mean, I know like you know we're not supposed to trust the companies and they're not supposed to trust us or whatever. But come on. And second, uh, the people who actually did steal the game. Uh, got around that in ten minutes. Yeah So you're not hurting anyone But the people Who actually gave you money That's, yeah, that's right. the problem I have with that um, Well even Ubisoft Has relented on its
0: DRM Some of, But I still I think
1: Ubisoft Is the hardest Major publisher right now To change the mind of In terms of like Consumer base Questioning their complaint I think Well they're also think, A base in Europe Which Well right That's why I think I think Ubisoft France Is uh, you know just sort of like off in their own world a lot of times. Like, yeah. there's, there's places where you're just like, well, what? who the hell made that decision? And yeah. inevitably, it goes back to the home office, you know? And so getting Ubisoft Paris to hear, let alone listen, is one of the biggest challenges, I think, for uh, consumer rights uh, movements in the game industry right now. Yeah. They're, they're, cause it's also because that company is so successful now, and they do things like the division sells like that, and all you know they, they break their own records on a regular basis. Un- until they finally put out something that breaks the back, like like Unity did, um, which actually, you know, by the way, I actually played Unity again uh, last night because uh, had to do some capturing of it, and uh, it is better now. It it runs yeah. nicer. It's beautiful. That game is beautiful. The it lighting is, is yeah. amazing. But in the well, custom especially scene, the PC version of that. Yeah, game. the PC version was what I was was capturing. You know, it, it looks great. It was sixty frames a second. Like all the, I just beautiful. But. There was a cutscene that was happening, and the guy I was talking to the whole time, his hair—he had long hair—and his hair kept flipping up like a bird, like every five seconds the whole time. And I'm, am just like, I can't, I can't do this, I can't play this, like it's too ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's how that's that that is how that game's gonna be forever. Yeah. Like they're never gonna be able to fix that. You're right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope they listen, but uh, it seems, uh, I, of all the companies in the industry, I feel like Ubisoft is the hardest to strike brain.
0: Um. I would agree with that, for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're US Army, it's a lot like Nintendo, like, yeah. NoA. a And just... I'm sure like
1: tons of Ubisoft, you know, people here and in Canada would agree with us. You know, would be like, yeah. You know, yeah, I think so too. But try calling home and telling them that. Yeah, you know, it's like, just like
0: NOA with Nintendo Japan. Right. It's like Japan right. drives a cart. And, doesn't and
1: we'll, we'll get into that. We shall. <laughs> yes, we definitely shall.
0: So let's move on to the next topic. And that was a great segue from Matt. We're going to talk about the Nintendo NX oh. controller. So, just a little history lesson. Months ago... This patent leaks for Nintendo's new controller for its NX, or at least people thought it might be. It was an officially filed patent Mm -hmm. by Nintendo for this weird-looking controller thing that, honestly, when I saw the patent, I never dreamed it was real. No. Looks like like,
1: like Stewie Griffin's head.
0: Right. I was just like, it's another Nintendo thing that they're messing around with that'll never come to fruition. Well, last week, (laughs) a first image leaks Mm -hmm. out of basically what looks exactly like that patent and you're seeing like other photos this is today's leak these are the leaks that came out today so so it comes out last week the first image everybody's kind of like no way is that real Mm -hmm. it can't be real
1: and i i i thought it looked dumb enough to be real let's put it that way i look i'm like no what well it's Dumb enough to be real, it, it, it really, you know, because because a lot of the similar types of skeptics That's the first.
0: Yeah. So this picture. is the first photo that leaked last week, and one thing I would say that made it seem like it might be legit to me is those connectors are the same connectors that they mm-hmm. use on like dev kits and yeah. the capture units for Wii U. So. But here's the thing, Damn. that image on it looks so bad. I, was yeah, I don't like, know what
1: the hell you're looking at. Man. I'm
0: like, that's <laughs> gotta be Photoshop. But I
1: here's the thing I love. You see in the upper corner, this is a, today's picture up, it's yeah. zooming in past, but up in the upper right corner you can see there's a picture there's like a tree reflected yeah. in like the, the the screen there. Yeah. There were people I saw who were trying to compare photos of the outside of development studios to find that tree. Well they figured figure out, out who which, it was. Did they? Yeah, it was that it's actually the developer of the division. Massive? Yeah. Because someone found a tree that looked just like that outside their uh, their office. That's who it was. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. The internet. Love it. Which also means that that
0: is 100% real. Yeah. And look, it's a prototype. um Nintendo's prototype controllers generally tra- change a good bit before they're finally released. A little bit,
1: yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that one does too. The prototype DS looked a lot different from the final retail version.
0: But what you're looking at right there, that is That's the, probably that it. is the NX controller. I mean, they may end up adding like maybe grip handles to it, I'm guessing, cuz that was part of the prototype. They're actually like yeah. typical controller handles on it maybe there's something retract like that retracts on the bottom of well, it well then
1: like i mean you can see the little b button on the on the lower corner there but see, it's but not it, a it's button a, it's though. not a button it's it's on the touch screen but there is also a um there seems to be a lot of haptic feedback thing going on here. And there is a patent that Nintendo has for something that basically raises buttons out of the touch screen. So that you would be using... You could like, actually feel it would be, be like, Yeah, you'd feel it like a remote control with like bubbles on it, kind of. That, so there would be a tactile feeling of, of a button there.
0: So there were a few things that were kind of announced, not announced officially, of course, but were kind of leaked along uh, with these images today. Uh, the analog sticks are kind of like the Circle Pad Pro... Mm-hmm. And that they kind of slide.
1: Yeah, like the the, the the base there doesn't actually move. It's more like they yeah they slide around like like uh, I guess they're sort of more nubbins than, than yeah. sticks. Yeah.
0: Um, this is just. And the, they click, I guess. Right, and they also said this is just the controller. That yeah. there's a separate piece mm. of hardware that comes with the controller. Mm. Um, I mean look, you're looking at the next Nintendo handheld yeah. right and now. And they're
1: like haptic feedback scroll wheels, wheels. All top. Scroll exactly. yeah.
0: wheels. Hmm. <laughs> Alright. So now that we've talked about all the information that we have about this thing, let's talk about what we think about it.
1: Nintendo had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what else to say. Like I look at that and I'm just like, what? I like There's got to be more. There's got to be something else. Like well, remember there
0: was a little sticky note in the first image that says, you will say wow.
1: I did. I did. <laughs> I did say wow. <laughs>
0: not for the reasons that I said it for, like, the Wii. I say
1: wow when a guy in a Prius cuts me off, too. Right, I mean it's, right. Not, it's not always a good thing. And
0: not for the reason, like, I said it when I first saw the 3DS have 3D with no glasses. Mm-hmm. And not even honestly, for the same reason why the first time I saw the Wii U, I was pretty impressed with it. Like. Yeah. This was like a, wow, what are they thinking, wow. Like, yeah. first of all, nobody... Yeah, that liked... wow is
1: followed by really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Who wants the screen to be covered with their... I mean, look, mobile, iPad, whatever. Yeah. You're, maybe you're used to covering the screen with your hands, but not core really gamers, need... there's no need with for the, it.
1: With the sticks and or the nubbin things, and like, I don't... There's an oval screen, man. What, what, what am I doing with that? I They're... mean... I mean this really looks like they are going all in on the mobile idea. Yes. Like I mean that's a phone basically. It is. Yeah. I mean or a or a Vita. Yeah. But that... it the fake Kazerai Twitter account had the the thing of the morning, I thought, where he, he just, it's like, oh no, the new Vita design leaked. I was like, it does, it does look like the new Vita, it does look like a Vita design. It already. does look like it could be like the new Vita. But I mean, I mean, I look at this thing and I'm like, I don't see them, this is not here to play the games, I want to, this is here to play like Pokemon Go. Well listen, here's the thing, so if you actually go back
0: and you look at the patent for this, there's some kind of crazy display technology Mm -hmm. going on with it it's like it does like holograms or some kind of there's some kind of way that the image lifts up off the screen
1: yeah i think that's related to how the buttons work where it's like the screen is malleable somehow it can be manipulated by things underneath the screen.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, there's more to it. And yeah. look, it could be a case where eventually I do say, wow, you know, yeah. when they show the thing off at E3 I mean, or whatever. I mean, clearly
1: this is not how Nintendo wanted us to first experience this. Yeah, and it know? is kind
0: of a shame that this has yeah. happened because Nintendo's usually pretty good about keeping leaks under wraps, but not this
1: time. No, this is, I mean, they've. They've had some leak problems, in the, and I wonder I wonder if there's going to be any repercussions for Massive, because at the same time... Oh, like you, for sure. Well, yeah, but Nintendo, you know, wants to be like, you know, rah, 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 but it's like... Third parties, you, they need them. You can't really alienate Ubisoft at this point, can yeah, you? Yeah, because they may be the only
0: person that's in your, or the only publisher that's in your corner right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, and has, I mean, really, uh, they owe Ubisoft for a couple of generations of support beyond what any other third party did.
0: And here's something else that lends credence to the fact that this is probably real is that, so yesterday, Nikkei, the newspaper in Japan, mm-hmm. reported that Nintendo had halted production of Wii U consoles. No one was really all that surprised. I think it was kind of one of those inevitabilities that mm-hmm. everyone was like, well, that sucks. Like, you know, it's probably time to put the cap on it and, and call it a day. Well, Nintendo actually comes out and says, oh, no, no, no. They, they, like, respond to it and say, oh, no, 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 Wii U production is still happening throughout the year. That report from Nikkei is wrong. Nothing has come out of Nintendo about this. Mm-hmm. They have not come out and said... Not even the usual... There, actual... was, there was
1: one tweet from someone who works at the Treehouse. And then that was deleted. What did it say? Nothing. It just, like, it just retweeted the link to the NioGaF uh, thread you, got about it. it. It was just like, hey, look what's going on. And then that was gone. Yeah. After that. Uh, so the silence really seems to lend some credence. To
0: we didn't even get the, like, the typical line that we always get, which is we do not, do not comment, comment on, rumors on rumors and speculation. Right.
1: Like, <laughs> that's what we always Probably because this is not really a rumor or speculation at this point. Exactly. We're, uh, we're, we're through the fucking looking glass on this one, boys.
0: Yeah. Also, how about Nintendo just lying to us about not making a console handheld hybrid? Yeah. <laughs> I mean...
2: I mean did I'm you sure ever believe that? Of I didn't.
0: It... And nobody did, but I'm sure they've rationalized it in some weird way in their minds. Like, well, it's not really because mm-hmm. it's three, uh, who knows?
1: I mean, it looks it looks like someone stuck analog nubs on like a fingerboard. Yeah. Like, I got I I just, I want to do like flip tricks with it. <laughs> I I don't I don't know. I don't know. And, and got the fingerprint. There're going to be fingerprints all over that You can, damn see, thing. It you one can one see it in the one photo that prints yeah. on them. Yeah.
0: Again, this, this photo, you can see the prints yeah. on the edge there. Again, just more proof that this is some real thing and not just some, like, 3D model or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, So, Matt. Hey. I mean, look, we could see the D E3, and it could be mind-blowing. It could be some yeah, I mean, crazy it, thing where, like, creatures come out of your console and, like, jump in your face. Like, who knows?
1: Yeah, like, Mario. It, Mario's nose could be more 3D than ever. Right. I don't know. I mean, but again, it always, it, again, it always comes down to the games. So is there something I want to play on it Then I'm going to look twice?
0: But my question about this is just playing with this thing over extended periods of time. Like, how comfortable or uncomfortable will it be to me? Know, it looks
1: too small to be comfortable for my. I hands. mean, how do you hold?
0: It? I mean, that was one of the things that made me think it was fake. Was how do you hold it to play? Know.
1: But the other thing is, like, we're all... Because
0: Nintendo's really good with ergonomics, typically. Everything
1: and... we're asking here is the same stuff people asked when the Wii controller was first shown. Like, if you go through the old threads for that, it was like, it's like, how am I going to hold... I'm not going to all use that for an hour. There's no way. It's like, there's not enough buttons on it. There's no, you know, it's like, that's the whole thing. So, well, there's, you know, no yeah, there's no buttons on this one. Yeah, there's <laughs> no buttons on this one. But it's like, you know, I'm sure... I mean, sure... just a buttonless controller. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. That's I... really bad. Well, it, not if it's got functional haptic feedback that creates buttons on the screen, like that that patent they have. But, Matt, we complain about D-Pads
0: and buttons when they're not, like, perfect mm-hmm. on
1: real control, normal controllers, like... Well, that's why it's interesting to me, because Nintendo has always been so anal about controlling its hardware, because they want the hardware experience to be seamless when you play it, and, like, it... It seems like this would be a much harder hardware situation to control on that level. But maybe part of that is because Iwata's not calling the shots anymore. You know, that's the other thing is like we aren't dealing with old Nintendo. We're not dealing with Iwata's Nintendo. We're dealing with people that think they need to move in a new direction and do something very different and change up how the public is. You know, they're looking. I mean, I think if you're Nintendo internal right now and you're you're the ones designing this system and you're looking at that, you're like that. That looks like something that like. Whether it's good or not, uh, the mainstream media is going to report on that.
0: Yeah, that's... that's the quote-unquote Nintendo difference. The blue, yeah. the blue Ocean strategy that they followed with the Wii and tried mm-hmm. to follow with the Wii U and failed miserably. Yep. I mean, look, here's the thing that's odd for me is that I, lo- I love the Wii as soon as I saw it. I was totally hook, line, and sinker all over it. I liked the Wii U when I first saw it. Like, these promo videos that we're showing right now, like... There's some really cool stuff in these things. The problem is, like, it never, never happened. happened. yeah. Like, it never came to fruition. And it, some of the things that did, like, the drawing thing, like, Nintendo promoted that element of it so little. It's like the average person who bought a Wii U had no idea it ever even actually came out. Like, mm-hmm. they ended up being, like, these weird eShop-only releases. Yeah, they like, really
1: need to work on the eShop promotion. I mean, I, you know, like, the Wii U will throw up things. It's like, oh, Pocket Tournament's out right now. Go get it. It's like, yeah. but there's other stuff on there that's, like, you know, not you know, a AAA Nintendo-published release that heads up on the e-store, and I didn't even know about it until I dug through and found it one day. And And you know
0: what? Nintendo Japan actually promotes all that stuff on its YouTube channel. Every single eShop game gets trailers on Nintendo of Japan's YouTube channel or or trailer, at the very least. Like, even for, like, all the little backwards compatibility games, like, they put up gameplay showing Mm. what it... Nintendo of America does none of that. You never see any promotion on this YouTube channel for any eShop stuff at all. Like, maybe if there's, like, a huge eShop sale, but, like, they don't even... Like, for instance, like, Sony and Microsoft's YouTube channels. So, Bethesda will put up the multiplayer trailer for Doom. Well, it goes up on Bethesda one day. The next day, it goes up on the Xbox channel and the PlayStation channel. You don't get that with Nintendo, though. Mm -hmm. The only thing you ever get on Nintendo's YouTube channel is a Nintendo-published game. And, like, again, it's just one of those ways that... Nintendo is still lagging behind the way the rest of the industry handles marketing and media and outreach to its fans, so.
1: Yeah. But they even do that with their own published games. So, like, if it's not one of their top line tent poles, you know, like, good luck seeing anything for Art Academy. Right, that's what I'm saying, like they put out trailers
0: on their Japan, like there's the new Disney Art Academy that's like, literally it was announced like two weeks ago in Japan and it's coming out already like they put, but they put out like Mm -hmm. three trailers for it on the Nintendo of Japan like after the last Direct happened, here's another example of it last Direct happens, Nintendo literally published like four or five videos from that Direct and the whole archive of the Direct you go to Nintendo of Japan, you go to Nintendo of Europe and they have way more content. Like, I don't know what's going on at NOA. I don't know, it
1: seems to mirror the whole Amiibo situation too. I guess
0: you're right, yeah. Because
1: like, there's no shortage of any Amiibo in uh, Japan or Europe or Australia, but you try to, try to find a Fire Emblem Amiibo in, in America. No, doesn't, it's yeah. not. doesn't exist. Go on Amazon or eBay, pay 30 to 50 bucks for each one. You know what I did? Because I wanted the Fire Emblem Amiibos so I could have the characters in That's Conquest. Amiibo. Don't care. The plural is so Amiibo. So don't care about your made up weird ass <laughs> words. <laughs> Um, the uh, so especially when I can't fucking buy them. Like yeah. Maybe if you like distributed them properly, I'd pronounce your goddamn word right. Okay. Um, the uh, so so like I wanted the Fire Emblem guys, and like I couldn't find them anywhere. So, you know, there were like people selling them on eBay for like you know all four Fire album guys, one hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah. It was like oh, so I so I bought all four of them for uh, was it Robin and uh, and Lucina? I bought all of them for fifteen bucks each. From a guy in Australia Who shipped them to me for free Yeah Exactly the same item Right Slightly different packaging What happens is They
0: reissue them or whatever and Right Then and sometimes, the market falls But why now. didn't
1: you reissue the fire emblem ones right. when the fire emblem game came out where is the synergy here yeah. meanwhile if you go to toys r us and look for them it's just this giant wall of animal crossing characters no one gives a shit about yeah. like and 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 those will stay there forever because the retailers will not order new cases of these products until, until the old, old ones. ones sell off yeah. and no one wants like fourteen thousand owls yeah. so <laughs> that's it like that you know and I don't You're know. You're right, though.
0: Nintendo is like the one hand is not talking. No, and different. I don't know.
1: And like you see pictures of like I saw pictures from uh, Germany of an amiibo section, and it's every single character they've ever released, each has has like its own line, and, and they're all full, and yeah. it's all the way across the shop. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, why? Yeah. Why is can every other Nintendo, you know, country version get this right, and Nintendo of America is just like, I don't know. Just send them, send all the Pikachu's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know what it almost
0: feels like with the NX is that Nintendo is reacting to, because you were talking earlier about how, you know, this product, the mainstream press is guaranteed to, to Absolutely, cover. Absolutely, yeah. And look, any Nintendo product, at least console or handheld, yeah. is going to get covered by the mainstream press. Yeah, from press. the
1: perspective of, like, a tech reporter, I think that is pretty sexy looking, you know? Like, right. But here, here,
0: so here's the thing. Like, I almost feel like Nintendo is looking at this from the perspective of, well, you know, with the Wii U, there was all this confusion over, is it just a new controller mm-hmm. for the Wii? Well, with this one, there's no question about any of no, that. No,
1: definitely not. Like, just a Wii no controller. one's
0: gonna wonder if this is like a brand new system from when Nintendo. When they announced
1: the Wii U, I remember because I was in the master control booth when we were covering that conference, and we had like you know Adam and everybody out on the feet, out at the location reporting on it, but we were controlling it from the you know the home booth back in the studio. And when that thing was shown as the Nintendo conference was ending, we had everybody was on the, on comms being like. Is it a Wii controller well, or, is the it, hardware or is it or is a, looks a new exactly system? The same. And like, yeah. it wasn't until like you know immediately after the, the after the conference ended, of course, you got the email with the press release and everything. Right. And I opened up like, no, it is a new console. It comes with an, a separate thing you put the disc in. Like, it's a totally new console. But like, the what they showed, you know, at the actual press conference didn't get that across at all. Well,
0: the other problem too is if you look at the hardware from the front, it looks exactly right. like a Wii. Right. Oh, like, after they... We were, Slightly curved. I was at that press conference, and, like, certain people were allowed to kind of go backstage afterwards and actually play it. And I went back there, and, like, I, I was like... Because on stage, it looked just like the Wii. Right. But when I went... When I went backstage and, and like looked at it, you could see it was much longer. Longer and yeah. And I remember I took a photo of that and like posted it on Twitter or whatever. And people were like, "Oh my God, okay, so it yeah. isn't." Exactly... I actually I
1: remember I mentioned that photo to uh, one of the hosts because they were uh, they were like, "I don't know if it's. I think it might just. It looked like it was just like a Wii." I'm like, "I just saw a photo that Shane put up from Game Trailers, and it's longer. It's not the same box. Yes, it was at deeper, all. but
0: I can totally but, understand where a lot of people right. would have complete confusion. But they never
1: showed like. that." Oh, they showed the controller and everybody using Wii controllers so right. I think confusion was totally understandable there won't be that confusion with this at the definitely very least definitely not but I, do, you I, know, I, okay, I, I think
0: a, that's oversold a little bit too like I really don't think that that was one of the main reasons No, I don't. a lot think of people throw Wii that Wii. out as like the main no. reason the Wii U failed like I don't think that's it at all I mean it didn't
1: honest. help in terms of the run up to the launch but right. I don't think you go into a store and see the display and not understand it's a new system I think yeah. you just don't care
0: They're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> their problem wasn't <laughs> even really at launch anyway
1: it was just Right.
0: something after launch, right. so...
1: And, uh, so, so do you think, um... Do you think they will call this system something with "we" in it? No. uh uh-uh. Nope. But, will do you think they'll call it something that has two eyes in it? Nope. Even though they've got Me's and Meverse and Amiibo and all that, they've kind of...
0: I would say that's an outside chance because they have kind of used that I-I as, like, a brand mm-hmm. at this point, but... I don't think so. I think at this point they need to cut bait, and I think they'll realize as well that they need to start something new. I mean, the other part of it, too, is like, you know, we'll start talking here next about Mm. kind of the future of consoles and how they're going to be handled.
1: What if they call it the Wii tree? (laughs) The Wii Wii. And Um, it was given away by the presence of a tree.
0: uh, Yeah. In
1: (laughs) the foot. I mean, it all fits. (laughs) I
0: just think that uh, Nintendo learned a really hard lesson with the Wii U, and I think it's going to want to completely mm. rebrand its console line. I
1: just wonder what, because there's a, somebody posted a, um, on Twitter, I saw it was like a graph of uh, Nintendo's console plus software sales over the years, and it started with NES and moved on. Yeah. And it's just a 45-degree line down and then you hit A spike the, with Wii, the Wii, boom. Yeah, and then it drops back, right down. back down. And if you get take the Wii out, the Wii U is exactly on the same line from the GameCube. Yeah. I mean it is. I mean, that's where they're going. And like, well, because the per, Wii
0: wasn't, you know, it wasn't Nintendo fans that made the Wii right. popular.
1: Well, that's well, it was I people it, who never really play. Video I showed games. it to one of my dev friends, and he's like, "That's really good. You should, you should fi- see if you can find the data for um, attach rates, and I bet they'd be the reverse." Where, uh, where the where the Wii's up here and the for software like the Wii's up here in sales of units and the software oh, the is Wii. down here. The Wii for sure. Whereas like attach rates were high for all the other systems, and I think the down curve. If you the eliminated
0: Wii. the Wii out of the equation, I think the curves for both console sales and attach rates would probably follow that same line down. But
1: I think the Wii. I think his his point was that the Wii had a vastly lower attach rate than oh, yeah. any other system. It did, yeah, Nintendo despite system. selling
0: really well. Yeah. Nintendo made all its money on hardware that gen.
1: I mean, you had 100 million of those things out there, and Super Mario Galaxy sold 13 million in the US. Which I actually year. wonder if that's really true that it sold that many. I don't know. But, that is a, that but is still, a, you're right, that's a that terrible... Is a dismal attach rate for a, for a Mario major, game. major, well-reviewed, well-regarded Mario title. More than well-reviewed. It's yeah. one of the
0: best-reviewed games of the last, like, all 20 time. years. yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's time to move on. I think just to close things out, Matt, are you more excited or less excited for NX after seeing a controller? I'm more scared. More scared. <laughs> I'm afraid that this
1: is going to be some kind of, well, yeah. Because I mean, I bag on Nintendo pretty regularly. Um, but it's I, easy. But I don't want to see an industry without without them. Yeah. Like I don't want. I'd rather them not have to be forced into that Sega position of going third party and hoping things work out for themselves and. Obviously, that wouldn't happen within like a generation or anything. We see what happened like, with Sega. Yeah, we're seeing, we're just going to see what you know where it goes from here. But I, I would like to see them have some success, also in the sense of having to push Sony because if Microsoft is really backing off of this Xbox thing, yeah. in terms of sort of sort of turning it into a you know consumer grade computer idea, um, I would like Sony to have some damn competition, yeah, in the future. Here's and the- I will say. It wouldn't be hard, I mean, there's. I know there's a joke image of it going around on, online, but it would not be too hard to build, like, you know, like a Google Cardboard-style v- VR viewer for that controller.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: And so, like, there's, you know, there's potential there.
0: Yeah. Here's what I would say. Ironically, I'm more excited for the NX after seeing this. Yeah? Because it's just so crazy.
1: They must have... A plant. Like there must be more to this. It's than just what we're a looking piece, and I
0: think that may be the hardest part for Nintendo to stomach right now. Is that looking at that controller by itself doesn't tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we just railed on it for a while. I'm sure every podcast this week, all around the industry, is going to have a say on this. And, and maybe we're wrong. And probably it's not going to be very kind. But it's. I mean, one thing I will say is that it is different, and it's like. I'm more excited to see the NX than I would be to see the PlayStation 4.5, mm-hmm. Segway.
1: <laughs> but I still say the Nintendo difference has done nothing but shoot them in the foot for the last 15-so years.
0: Yeah, I mean, but you know what you're going to get with the next Sony and Xbox hardware. Like, yeah,
1: well, for once I'd like to know what I'm going to get with the next Nintendo hardware. Yeah, and, I, and I'd like to know that I'm going to get a good Mario game, and a good Metroid game, and a good Zelda game, and I'm going to get it within five damn years.
0: Yeah, I feel like if all you care about is just getting the next iterations of those games, it, then they should just go third party. Maybe. Because otherwise, what's the point of making your own hardware? And if you're not going to do something different, there's really no reason to just, I mean, look, they did that with the GameCube. They made the hardware the same as everybody else. It was a failure as well. So...
1: Well, they didn't make it the same as everyone else because they made it use discs that couldn't actually hold as much as they needed to hold. Yeah, to but stay, there keep up were with multi-disc the
0: games. Like there was ways to work
1: around it. Yeah, but nobody wanted to. Like that's the thing is, like until they become a dominant force again, you have to make making a multi-platform version of a, of a multi-platform game for their system effortless. Yeah. And if you have to start doing, you know, because this, I just see the same old thing on this where, like, okay, you've got the controller can do all this cool shit. But can the hardware run Assassin's Creed right. Six or I whatever? Think it, I think
0: I'm not really worried about that part of it at all. And
1: if it does, are you going to have to devote extra development time to doing all these stupid human tricks with the with the controller? And is anyone even going to care? And now do you have to con- program in like the fact that like yeah. every game uses its own control scheme because you use the haptic button creation thing to like create your control scheme on the controller? That's cool and all, but like, what does it take to make that? Like, like yeah. I hope they are keeping in mind that you know, even if they get third-party support on board for launch, if it if it becomes a pain in their ass, they're not going to keep doing
0: it. Well, I think you're probably going to be able to use the alternate controllers that have been released for mm-hmm. Wii U and for Wii. Like, I would like see packing those.
1: in the... Maybe packing in the, the pro controller. I don't even know if they'd pack
0: it in, but I just think that they'll make it compatible with it for people who don't mm-hmm. want to use this wacky contraption that we're seeing right now, so... We, well, then,
1: here's the thing: if if this if this controller does is able to to kind of morph itself in that regard, uh, maybe they actually are taking the tactic of making the new system kind of a all-in-one Nintendo history box, and that controller is designed to sort of mimic whatever you need to mimic to be able to play things throughout the years. Could and, be. I'd be into that.
0: Yep. All right. So we got to move on, people. Uh, we spent a little bit too much time on that topic. Next, we're going to talk about another crazy story that came out this week. So, we've already Mm. talked about Microsoft, or Microsoft has talked about... Yeah, with
1: the modular system upgrade. That was my
0: insane idea, was just snapping on the modules onto a console. Well, oddly enough, now Sony's actually talking about releasing a 4K-capable PlayStation 4.
1: Which would be way more powerful than the current one. Oh. I mean... I mean, what would that
0: even be? Just think about the PC that you need to run games at 1080p. Mm-hmm. Versus the PC that you need to run hit games at
1: 4K. That's huge. It's a huge gap. Like, I, I mean, I mean, that's four times. Yes. The resolution. Right. I and, just and the PS4 as it exists can barely hit 1080p with like what percent? Like 10 percent of its library, right? Now. Maybe. Yeah. As uh, far as like the big AAA uh, right. stuff, like real games. Yeah. yeah.
0: Not like simple like indie stuff. They all hit 1080p, but I just I just I don't believe it, Matt. I really don't believe it at
1: all. Again, dumb enough to be real, <laughs> but I have a hard time believing that, that Sony, even Sony thinks they can sell you a PlayStation 4 and they can sell you a $400 VR headset and then they can sell you another PlayStation 4 for probably more than $400 to run that PlayStation headset better. Around the time they're going to have to start selling you another PlayStation headset because VR technology is jumping ahead very quickly and these headsets are going to have lifespans of about three years, I think, before, I mean, before they're made obsolete. And I, I mean, you're asking someone to spend somewhere close to $1,500 on this generation on your stuff alone. Yeah, and it's not even including software.
0: I mean, I honestly have a really hard time believing this is true. But on the flip side of that, like, this was reported first by Kotaku. Yeah. Kotaku, I can't remember too many times where Kotaku has had to retract an informational story.
1: True, but I, I think uh, Pactor made a good point. Uh, where he said that um, uh, I think it was on GAF because he started a thread about Pactor Factor uh. on GAF and he, he, people started asking him questions and he said something like um, uh, he, he's skeptical about the PS4K thing because uh, he doesn't believe that if there had been talk about that thing that all the talk would have only been overheard by people who were at the same outlet right um, and he thinks it's weird that no one else is kind of corroborating it
0: well, i I don't
1: I disagree with that. I mean, that's what getting
0: a scoop is. true. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way news works. Somebody gets and the, here's everyone else who's reporting it, mm-hmm. which to me is a huge key that there's probably some validity in it. because I can guarantee you, especially with sites like Kotaku and Polygon and GameSpot and IGN, like they're news editors. They all know each other. And I guarantee you that most of those sites contacted Kotaku and was like, "Look." Is this source solid? Because, you know, we'll run it, and we'll push to you guys, but if you're basing this on some flim-flam, flimsy bull crap, like, we're not gonna. Like, sites communicate mm. like that. And didn't you every... just say you don't believe it? I don't believe it, yeah. I'm just saying what could lend to it being true and what is kind of pulling me in that other direction that it might be true. I just think it's implausible, in all honesty. But look, crazy things have happened in this industry. So it it is possible. I just don't personally think that it would happen.
1: Well, I mean, what are you thinking of Sony that... It's like, you know what? I bet after a couple years of this, they'll be so fed up with how shitty the performance is of the existing PS4, they'll want to buy a new one that runs smoothly in VR.
0: That might be the thing, is that they put it out in october with playstation vr and they're like look this will work with your old playstation 4 you
1: think it'll be coming that soon why not the cost
0: the cost of what all the components have gone down the price has gone down right around now is when they would start talking about what we've been seeing Mm -hmm. in some of these videos which is a slim version of the playstation
1: 4 i still think you're looking at a 600 dollars system there could be but minimum. Look, people are willing to
0: fork out four hundred dollars for PlayStation VR, like it's a drop yeah, in the bucket. I mean, thousand
1: dollar VR bundle with PS Four K included,
0: and you got that software library of PlayStation Four.
1: And in the end, it's like, hey, still cheaper than exactly, the other two.
0: exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like,
1: so look, there's a the fifteen hundred dollar oculus thing is kind of bullshit it like is really i mean look to you're
0: gonna limp through those vr right. games with a thousand dollar and with the
1: vive forget about it yeah that's it's not yeah, happening. because that is kind of funny though it's like okay let's say there was a bundle that had the psvr and the ps4k a ps4k you know it came in at around it came in at a rounded thousand dollars you're still only 200 bucks over the vive yeah and that's not even him talking about the, the hardware you need to run Vive stuff so i saw
0: uh <laughs> Rowdy Wabbit in our chat here says, well, Gawker really needs money now. Well, this predates that, though. <laughs> it's not even that. It's like <laughs> the amount of money that you're talking about that Gawker needs
1: is mm-hmm. <laughs> And no one at that level is going to be tasked with making that money. That doesn't make sense. Look, <laughs> if, the, if, if the thing with Gawker and we'll get to that later, but like yeah. if, the, if, the, if what happens with Hogan, uh, Gawker actually ends up having to pay that, Gawker Media LLC will declare bankruptcy and when they're in Chapter 11, they are going to be legally required to sell off their assets, which means all those blogs will be sold to someone else.
0: That wasn't even the angle I was going to take, though. The angle I was going to take is that, like,
1: you make so little money off display
0: ads. Like, for this to have any dent... And, you know, people, like, always throw this out there. Like, whoa, they did that because they need money and for ad revenue. You make so little money on ads. Like... You would have to, like, kill God on camera to, like... And yeah. fake it to, like... But it's also,
1: like, no one no one at any of those blogs right now is in any kind of position to be, like, thinking about what they can do to save the company from Hulk Hogan. For writing one story. It doesn't... None, none of that makes any sense. I
0: mean, even if they had... 100
1: million people come to
0: that article and read it. And look, I'm guessing it was probably 2 million or 3 million or something like that. Even if it was 100 million, they probably still would have only made like $20,000 off of that. Not even. They wouldn't even have made 20 grand off that story. That's not even going to buy a a tank top, brother. This whole like, oh, website put up, gave this game a bad score to get hits. Like, that just doesn't happen. It it doesn't work. Like, you're not going to save your company by giving, like, the division a 1 out of 10. Like, it doesn't work that way. You don't make that kind of money off of views of video and, like, video ads. Like, the no- the number that you need to do something like yeah, that there's is There's no such thing
1: as, like, oh, we finally got our gold article that, right. like, made all the money we'll ever need right. because doesn't a bunch work of people clicked way. on it. Like, it's not, yeah. It's...
0: That's why you see websites that have, like, 20 display ads on a page because they get mm-hmm. paid so little for each one. Like, literally, like, if you go to a web page and there's one ad on it, your visit to that web page was worth like one eighth of a penny like that's the rate for display ads like eight people would have to go to that page for that website to make a penny like that's that's why you go to web pages that have 20 on it because then they're like well at least we make three pennies every time somebody visits this web page like that's the level we're talking about so All the garbage that that people say about, oh, well, they're just doing it for, like, the hits and the revenue. Like, it doesn't work that way. That's a total falsehood about the games journalism, or any journalism for that matter. So, I don't know, Matt. I,
1: I would say that there are some good reasons, maybe, to do this. I feel like you'd be catering to a very small sliver of PlayStation 4 owners and potential PlayStation 4 owners. Yeah, Um, To the point that you wonder, what's the point?
0: Well, I don't think it even is for existing. I think it's for all for new customers. Mm. I mean, look, some people will upgrade, obviously. Um, But I think it's just for the new people who want to buy it. And, you know, you can say it splits your user base, but... With a I mean, PC architecture, it, it really doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, something on the original PS4 would run at 900p, and maybe something on the new one would run at 4K. k But like, I mean, the only thing,
0: and we talked about this kind of with the other part, when we were talking about Microsoft and their upgradable hardware, is that, you know, you have developers who make it lazy. Mm-hmm. So if they know they have this older market there that has this extra power, and they're like, you know, before they had this one closed system that they had to write their code for and they knew it had to work on that one system, they might get a little lazy with their optimizing and things like and you're that. Seeing,
1: you're seeing a little bit of that uh, with Hyrule Warriors Legends yep. right now, where you are, if you yeah. don't have a new 3DS, you are not having a great time with that game.
0: Yep, and Nintendo has not officially announced anything along those lines. It's, it hasn't issued any warning mm-hmm. saying, hey, if you have the first 3DS, you might want to think twice about this. Like That's all been uncovered by like Digital Foundry and other publications examining it and... Uh, I only have the original 3DS, and I did get the game. I haven't even put it in my 3DS yet to check it, but we've curated uh, a comparison that uh, Digital Foundry did. I think it's on the site mm-hmm. today. So, yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. It's plausible, but I still think it's highly unlikely, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. But again, coming from Kotaku, I know a lot of people bag on Kotaku sometimes, but they're usually right with this yeah, stuff they're they are not very often <laughs> when it comes
1: to like, the crazy rumor stuff.
0: The people get mad at you know their stance or whatever how they cover stuff, but the fact yes, of the matter have, is there's a
1: little bit of a little more piracy encouragement than I would probably like.
0: Yeah, but uh, I mean. When but they but break, that doesn't make them
1: wrong, right? When, it when comes they to this break stuff.
0: stories or have leaks, they're almost always right. Mm-hmm. And I look, I think well, it's like
1: TMZ. TMZ is a scummy organization, but they know every single time a celebrity died, yep. They know, before everyone else. And
0: they even scoop like ESPN for sports stuff yeah. now.
1: Like it's insane. So just because you hate someone doesn't I mean you shouldn't believe them.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I have a lot of faith in Kotaku's reporting. I would be really surprised if this is wrong. And look, Steven yeah. Totillo, like he's on that stuff yeah like he yeah he's
1: not he doesn't take that lightly he's
0: very concerned about this stuff i worked with steven at mtv for a number of years i know him very well he used to come on bonus round on gt all the time and like he's buttoned up man like mm. we're gonna talk you know our last topic of the big six is about where gaming journalism is headed and he's part of that guard he's like he's real journalism and he yeah. cares and very much
1: crawford hannah points out they're always right about assassin's creed they are that's yeah that's true I mean... And the, you know, and Ubisoft probably wants to guard against them more than anyone else at this point because they've had problems they, with them, but exactly. they still find out.
0: They still find a way, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It just seems insane.
1: Yeah. But... Yeah, you know, I mean, like it really said, does seem insane. Like I said, crazy enough to be real.
0: To be talking about it now. Yeah. I mean, the system...
1: But at the same time, I said, old. you know... I said way back... You know, what, back when it happened, they, they launched those systems too early. Yeah. They, you they, you they said were, it
0: over and over on this yeah, show. They yeah. were
1: not they you know, they just were underpowered for what they were gonna end up wanting to do with them and I think Sony is really hitting that wall now. Well
0: the other kerfuffle this week was the whole quantum break at seven twenty P and I right. can tell you I'm playing that game right now and you would never know seven twenty the game looks amazing. Like only ones Digital Foundry did a pixel count Mm -hmm. were people like, oh my god, it's 720. Like, they had never said anything. No one would have ever said
1: anything. I'm really over the how many Ps. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, it's just like, you know, console gaming used to be kind of mercifully free of all the tech niggling like that, you know? Like, like the whole like oh this plus this uh, refresh rate it. I was like I'm just gonna play a game. I'm just yeah. play a game on PlayStation Two. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but now like that's just sort of what any. That's all anybody talks about.
0: It's just a pissing contest for console wars. That's all right. it is.
1: Especially and especially, I bet if the Xbox One uh, was was better at the P's yeah. than, um, than <laughs> PlayStation the PlayStation Four, 4 uh, we wouldn't hear about it nearly. Oh as yeah, much.
0: of course not. Yeah. <laughs> but so funny. So, I don't know. I would say right now, I would give it about... Man, that's
1: tough to gauge.
0: I would give it a 35% chance of being true. I'll
1: give it a... I don't know. I'll give it a 45%. <laughs> really I'll give it a 45% chance of being true because 4.5, if you move the decimal point, is 45. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and uh, Pactor doesn't think it's real, so that gives it 10% more viability.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're taking the anti-Pachter uh, equation. I'm going I'm to go that
1: way and just see how, how it rolls. I don't, know if, I don't know if there's any basis in fact, because I haven't really been tracking Michael Pachter's uh, hit rate. Yeah. Um, but I figure he must have a pretty good one if they're still paying him that much to be at Wedbush. Exactly, so, yeah. But in this case, I'll, I'll play Contrarian and we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next topic of the Big Six. We're going to talk about game difficulty. Mm. So, this week Nintendo announced that Star Fox Zero will have an in- invincibility mode so that younger players can enjoy the game and not have to worry or get frustrated if they can't proceed.
1: Mm. P- the internet freaked out. Where were you bastards when you put Blaster Master out? Yeah, exactly. There were children then, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The
0: internet freaked out. It went ballistic on Nintendo. People sending them angry messages to their Twitter account. Matt, is this worth an uproar?
1: No, just don't play that mode. Right. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Like, what, are you worried that, like, someone who didn't earn it is going to finish Star Fox? Like, you, have, you, you might want to consider what you've wrapped your ego up with.
0: Yeah, at that point. let's talk like, a little bit about that. The psychology <laughs> that is going on under the hood here with this, like... It's. I think people are afraid that, like, I, I mean, look, I, I really can't understand the whole thing to be honest with you. But Ooh. trying to figure out why people would act this way, I feel like they're afraid they're going to like
1: lose their lead
0: status for finishing a Nintendo game. I don't <laughs> like,
1: know. It's not like there's achievements. That, like, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, especially in an industry where it's like it's like if you go online any PC competitive game for five seconds, you're going to see someone using an aimbot and a wall hack. Yeah. You know, it's like how is how is like you know it's it's part of some people just want to finish things some people just don't care how they get there and in this case it's like here we'll just give you the cheat mode screw if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do but if like your game ego is really that bruised by what a six-year-old is doing with a game he can't play properly i don't know what i don't know what to tell you
0: yeah i just think it's insane that don't is... play it
1: don't use that mode like it's just like the thing where like in the Mario games where, like, if you you can, like, have Luigi play the level for you or whatever. It's like, well, yeah. then just don't do that.
0: It's almost like Nintendo needs to, uh, if someone's playing it on the invincibility mode, like, it needs to put, like, a little icon up on the screen or something. Oh, like, like
1: every, anyone playing Star Fox Zero on the on that mode, she has, has the asterisk. Right, yeah. it's like the scarlet letter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the uh, it's like it's like the steroid asterisk for uh, for athletic records. Because like
0: I could see a very 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 small segment of consumers being a little miffed by it. The speed runners, like I could see where they're like, oh well, or just people who are competitive or who upload their mm. le- leaderboard. their times of leaderboard. I'm sure this
1: won't be the same leaderboard though. Right. I mean, yeah. You know.
0: well, if there is a leaderboard for the game, like which with Nintendo, I'd probably not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. But. So I can see maybe that angle, but there's but not also, really. but also like
1: things like this always have some kind of telltale sign. You know, you know Nintendo. Nintendo's gonna make it glow gold, or like yeah. the ship will glow gold, or like leave fairy dust behind it, or something to show that it's like. Well, the, like the It's not suit. like you're gonna be able to fake. You know, oh, I did an amazing speed run and I never got hit once. It's like, well, it's going to be obvious.
0: Well, there was like the Tanuki suit in Super Mario 3D World Yeah. for Wii U where like if you died a bunch of times in a row, you could basically smash a box and get this suit that made you invincible. Mm. And look, I don't care what anybody says, everybody used that suit at least <laughs> once. Everybody. Anyone who says that they did not use that suit at least once, you're lying. I know you are. I used it. I'm not going to lie. I used it several times.
1: Um, I haven't played that game yet.
0: Uh, you, you, but you have it, right? I thought you. I had. I
1: got it for twenty bucks on their sale a couple weeks ago. But I, I got. i mean even finished Twilight Princess yet. I, I'm. I'm plugging away. You're backloaded on your Wii U. Yeah. No one said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> Except
0: for Matt Kyle. I got here like three years late. In 2016. Yeah, exactly. So so that's the the beginning, the genesis of this topic. But what, what I wanted to talk about is kind of extrapolating that over other games. So. Mm-hmm dark souls Mm
1: -hmm. how would
0: you feel if dark souls 3 had an invincibility mode
1: i don't care you don't care no i don't care what anyone else does in their game yeah i don't even watch people play shit on twitch because i don't care maybe the better question would be what do you think would happen
0: if dark souls 3 had an invincibility mode
1: well i think neogaf would literally catch fire I think you mean, I, I, I and think, burn to the ground. Uh, burn to the ground. I think I mean yeah. and, and many other forums as well yes. and Twitter and uh, people would lose their shit. People would lose their shit that the casuals are going to be able to play their game.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm talking about that whole elite yeah. thing. I'm just saying I don't care. Yeah. I don't I don't care either. I w- I would pray to God Dark Souls 3 has an invincibility <laughs> mode. I would love for them to retrofit Bloodborne With an invincibility mode, I would immediately go back and play that game, or even just an easy mode where it plays like a normal hack and slash, where you hack Mm. somebody six or seven times and they die. Like, I don't, uh, you know, we've talked about Bloodborne ad nauseum on this show. I've talked with Marcus about it on the show. I've talked with you about it on this show.
1: We're about to hit Dark Souls 3, so buckle up, boys. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's actually out there in the wild right now. In case, Also, if you didn't know, it's like out in Japan, and there's a kind of a little workaround you can do with Xbox One to start playing it now before it comes out in the U.S. Uh, that is up on Sifted right now. If you want to find it, just go to the Dark Souls 3 page, click the Guides option on the channel nav, and it'll be right there. So anyway, mm. I would love it. But you're absolutely right. Like the people who play these games, I almost don't even feel like a lot of them play it because they absolutely love it. I feel like they play it to say that they play it. Mm. And, or to say that they finished it and it wasn't that hard. Like,
1: to, be, to be honest, it's one of the reasons I ended up because play, I played, I was supposed to review Demon's Souls yeah. uh, when I was on X-Play and I played it for like two nights and I was like, I am not going to be able to do this. Yeah. Like, I, it was too difficult. I didn't quite understand how anything worked. And it was, it's the only review in the history of me reviewing things for the last, like, what, 16 years of my life. It's the only one. I came back to the the editor-in-chief and I said, uh, you need to find someone else to review this. Because yeah. I pretty much hate it because I don't understand what I'm doing. Well, Demon's Souls also back. was, like, really crazy. Demon's Souls was and... pretty pretty uh, janky well, we in played, a, lot of, here's, a lot of places.
0: We went to Tokyo Game Show and they had that game out on the floor. And Ryan Stevens and I sat there, and we laughed at that game for, like, an hour. Hmm. Like, literally, and it was just as hard. Like, literally, we died, like, over and over. And Ryan Stevens and I just sat there. We're like, what the hell? This is, like, the worst-looking game we've seen on a show
1: floor. It was rough.
0: In, like, ever. And then Ryan Stevens is, like, the world's biggest, like, Souls fan ever. Right.
1: (laughs) But, like, the reason I ended up playing Dark Dark Souls when it first came out, and I was like, eh, it it didn't really grab me. And then I went back and I played it again later because it became such a phenomenon. I was like, well, I guess I got to know what this is. I got to do this. And then Dark Souls 2, I finally got all the way through it because Dark Souls 2 is a lot easier than Dark Souls 1 and I think more traditional in its design, which a lot of people hold against it. and I can see why, because the level design of the world in Dark Souls 1 is vastly more intricate and, and well thought out than Dark Souls 2. But Dark Souls 2, I think, is a pretty good introduction if you're, like, having trouble getting your head around that series. Dark Souls 2 is very straightforward. And, yeah. like, then when you've got kind of the mental tools to go back and play Dark Souls 1 and, and really kind of grapple with it. Uh, Bloodborne, I think, is, is pretty easy, too, in the end. Yeah. Um, although very different. So like I play those I played those games in some po- in some part because like yeah it was such a phenomenon among like these hardcore people that I felt like well not not that I I have to master it and speed run and do a no hit run and da 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 I'm just like no I should know what this is right and especially because to me those games are basically what Castlevania should have become oh agreed like I I think that's I think those are the modern Castlevania because Castlevania is fucking hard Hard as balls like yeah. those games were hard <laughs> and they were made to be I mean you don't jump backwards and fall down the bottomless pit when you get hit in Castlevania 1 because of an accident. They yeah. made it that way. Well, I think you know?
0: the more recent ones are much easier. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, but the, the, ori- like few, the, yeah.
1: the original, like, you know, one, two, and three, maybe yeah, just yeah. one and three more. You and basically to X, memorize the whole game, Oh, yeah, they, they were hard, yeah. they, you know, and they were designed to be hard, and the controls were part of the difficulty, yeah. and I think Dark Souls is similar in that regard. Also, they're dark and gothic and crazy but um, so yeah I played them because I felt I had to and eventually I was playing them because I enjoyed it I mean I played Bloodborne because I liked it you know yeah. I, I played through through Dark Souls 2 because I had to review it and it was a job and I'm like I'm gonna do it and there were a couple times that I mostly just wanted to snap the disc in half but yeah. I made it <laughs> and after I got through it similar to what, you remember when you loved Ninja Gaiden the, yeah. um, the original Xbox and I'm like I don't get it I don't, I don't, this is annoying to me more than anything else and yeah. I finished it and I started it again, and about halfway through the second level, I came back the next day to work, and I'm just like, I get it! I get yeah. why you love this game so much, and it just something just clicked, and it dug all. Now I love Ninja Gaiden. I probably played it like eight, nine times all yeah. the way through, and like Dark Souls is kind of like that to me. It's like, oh, I get it now. I'm I'm not I'm not a crazy Dark Souls fan or anything now. I'm not you know I don't care if they put an in invincibility mode that is not tied up in my identity as a as a video game player, but like. I get it. Like I understand why people love yeah. this game and see it cuz there isn't really anything else. Like, I mean, there is now because you've got Salt and Sanctuary and all these games that are sort of aping it coming along from yeah. the indie circuit and stuff and you've got like fake ass stuff like Lords of the Fallen that doesn't understand why Dark Souls works but tries.
0: Well, here's the thing that I would say that really drives this point home for me personally and makes me believe that like a lot of people would really flip out if they had like an easy mode or an invisibility mode in this game is because Remember when Marcus and I had the discussion about Bloodborne on Game Face. And we brought in a guy who had reviewed the game for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And and the the way I framed the discussion was, you know, if most people aren't going to enjoy playing this game, should you give this game a high score? Mm -hmm. And, like, the Bloodborne fans freaked out over that, man. I mean, freaked out. Like, it, it was the most, like, before we moved the show away from YouTube and onto the site it was the most watched episode of Game Face ever because it ended up being posted on NeoGAF. And all the NeoGAF people came out, came in there and, like, we had comments, like, turned off or whatever. So it didn't... But, like, the votes, the down votes were, like, insane for it because, you know, people were offended. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're saying if most people aren't going to enjoy playing this game, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just... How do you review a game like that, you know? So, mm-hmm. But here's the funny thing about it is that, like, We've had a bunch of new subscribers over the last month and a half, and at least five or six of them have basically said, like, in comments, like, I did not subscribe to your site
1: because of what you said about Bloodborne. Seriously, Matt, I'm not joking. Like, literally. Which Which is funny because it's like, well, they also want Bloodborne and those games to be really, really popular and everybody to know how great they are. But I feel like that series has basically hit its ceiling, right? With unless you start making it more accessible.
0: Well, they're like oh, so I'm, they
1: don't want that, but they do want that. Well,
0: they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm glad I gave your site a second chance or whatever. But honestly, like that really hurt Sifted, like at launch, because NeoGAF is important in this industry, and you know, all those kids on there just like railed on Sifted. Well, if that's the way sifted's gonna be that i don't want to be any part of that way of one thing that i said like they doomed in their opinion like an entire freaking website over this series so you can see the fervor that the people like it's a bet i feel like people you're right it's like an identity that people mm-hmm. have built up and like they're proud of it they're like i'm good at dark souls i'm good at Bloodborne. Like. I don't care. I don't care mm-hmm. if anyone's good at anything. But that's
1: the. F- it's it's like this weird thing where. where... I don't think they want Bloodborne to be like a 10 million seller. You know, I don't think they want Dark Souls 3 to sell COD. Members, no, they don't. You know? They want it to be but like they want ev- thing. But they also want everyone to agree with them that it's the greatest thing ever. It's the thing best ever. thing ever. Yeah. I mean, and you see stuff that's like, oh, The Witcher 3 was great, but it should have had Dark Souls combat. No, it shouldn't. No. Like, Like, I would never want that game to have that. Like, Diablo should not have Dark Souls combat, people. Dark Souls should have Dark Souls combat. Right. Like, it's this weird mentality of, like, this is the greatest thing I've played ever, and so everything should be like it. But if everything's like that, why is that the greatest thing ever anymore? Because then it's just everywhere.
0: Yeah. It, look, I don't, I don't know. And believe
1: me, you do not want someone who doesn't understand why Dark Souls combat is great to try to make Dark Souls combat. No. Like, that is not <laughs> going to work out well for you.
0: You're absolutely right. But I, have nev- I don't think I have ever seen a game or a series like this. Where people are like one you're right, like it's this like little elite club where they're like, oh, if you don't like dark souls, you're not in the club and it's not that little
1: really it's very common. Well, it's like a million it sells yeah. a little
0: over a million copies which is
1: fun. but no right, matter but- I mean look I don't I can't recall the last thread on something like The Witcher or any kind of anything that has swords in it. Even Zelda. Like, there's people that are like, Zelda, you should have Dark Souls combat. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to talk to you about. Well, look, a
0: certain part, it depends on what they're talking about. Like, certain parts of it I agree with. Like, the the timing of the combat is great. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the responsiveness has gotten well, really the, good. And the
1: boxes, th- And Dark Souls 2 uh, drops the ball a little bit on this. But Bloodborne picks it back up, and Dark Souls 1 is almost flawless. The hitbox is, if you... If that sword doesn't contact the literal flesh, or armor of your character, it misses you. But see, I'm okay like with that. I'm fine with well, that. Yeah, but no, that's, that. but that's how it's supposed to be. Like, I love the combat like That, in these that games. game has, you know, Dark Souls 1 probably has the best hitbox detection of anything I've ever played.
0: And look, I honestly would be okay if that combat came to Zelda. But the problem is that, like, it shouldn't take, like, 20 minutes to fight every rank-and-file enemy in the game. Like, all they need to do is just crank down the hit points on the enemies, and I would love it. Like, I love... The combat. The combat feels great in these games and the options that you have available is great. The different stances. And I know in Dark Souls 3, like every single weapon has like some unique element to it with how you fight with it. Like, I love all that. But making every encounter with just some cut and paste enemy like life or death, that's what I doesn't resonate with me. And I'm saying it's right or wrong, it's just not something that I enjoy playing video games. So I think
1: that's why they love it so much is because everything matters. That's that's the draw to a lot of people that love those games, and I get it. Uh, is that everything matters? Like, like you can't just take that dude, with, with that, like one little zombie with a spear, for granted, because that motherfucker could kill you. If yeah, you don't, if oh, I get it. I totally understand it. It's just, not and yeah, my the fifteenth time you run through the same area and you have to like really, you know, focus on the fight with this guy that you don't even care about right now, who's not going to give you enough souls to matter. Yeah, it can get annoying, I guess. But like, you know, that's just that's dark you know, that's why that's, the game right.
0: That's why the game sells a million copies instead of like with the combat and its production values and everything, it should sell a lot more than it does in all yeah. honesty. I mean
1: they could if they wanted to, I'm sure they could do a game that plays like Dark Souls but doesn't have the Dark Souls kind of uh, philosophy that would probably sell Witcher level. You know? It
0: would sell better, but you know what? All the people who love the Souls games would be like screw that. Oh, game.
1: they'd be betrayed. It would they be, be betrayed. Screw that. Be they would care. not
0: buy it. No. Just like they refused to come to Sifted, they would not buy that game.
1: But it's like, you know, if you if you if you reach the right audience, uh it doesn't matter that they don't buy it.
0: Right. Well, yeah, because it'll and end up I think way more. but I
1: think that's also part of what happens with the kind of the phenomenon that's happening with Dark Souls and the fan base is like they they're worried that's going to get taken away from them in that regard. You know, this thing they love is going to. But as long as it changed, still
0: has like that original mode that they can all play right. and they can still have their little badge of honor saying I beat it the way it's supposed quote unquote. Supposed I mean, in the end, played. I don't
1: think it would be if if it was just like you know you switch to a, a certain mode that like turned off achievements. And, you know, made you either really powerful or made the enemies really weak or both or whatever. Uh, I don't think anyone... After the screaming was over, I don't think anyone would, like, not buy the game because... All I would
0: really have to do is just chop the hit points down per enemy to, like, 20%. That's really it. Hmm. Like, I'm even okay with, like... Getting hit once or twice, like, really does a number on your health, as long as I can just hack down an enemy in a few attacks, instead of having to spend, like, ten minutes on each one of them.
1: I just I don't... Playing this weird cat and I, mouse thing. I, see, that's the thing, is, like, I I don't run into a lot of enemies I can't kill in one or two hits in these games, uh, if you're upgrading your equipment properly. Um... There's a lot of there's a lot of upgrade path stuff you got you got to experiment with but I mean I don't that that, that to me does not solve a problem that I ha, that I would have like in terms of making the game easier because uh, to, to me, like, when I have to run into a new boss in, like, Dark Souls or, or Bloodborne, it was always, like, it was never like, oh, my God, like, it's going to take oh, so long to kill them. Oh, the bosses are insane. It's gonna, like, but it but for it me, takes, it,
0: like, a million hacks to kill them.
1: Oh, not really. Like, the thing, the thing for me with the bosses in those games is you got to learn them. And I'm like, well, I'm walking into my death here. Here we go. You know, it's like, I know I'm going to die because I have to go through at least one battle with this boss to see what he does, how oh, it works. One. All that stuff. But, like, I've never really found them to take too long to kill. Uh, that's not. I've like, watched a lot of boss <laughs> battles from this game. Um, the only one, you know, and the only one I really had a ton of trouble with, uh, you know, there's every, every once in a while you get that one guy who's, you know, the big dude with a long sword who's in one room and you can't get away from him, and that's yeah. But like um, the difficulty on on the Dark Souls games to me is a little over overstated in the sense that like it's hard to learn the systems of the game. Once you understand how it works the challenge is just in your reflexes and whether you're keeping your stuff upgraded properly. Um, If, for instance, like, playing, you know, I played... uh, I do like Dark Souls 2, even though I know it's kind of the black sheep of the series. And I got uh, The Scholar of the First Sin for Christmas, and I, I put it in... People are like, you know, it's Christmas. Christmas is for fun. Christmas is good times. Christmas is like, a, and I put it in, I'm and you're like, hacking away. I'm like, do, I re- do I really want to play Dark Souls on Christmas? But I played. I'm like, I had a great damn time. I yeah. got through like the first third of the game in like one evening, and I was yeah. just like, oh yeah, I know what to do here. I know, to, you know, things are a little different, because Scholar, the first in right. mixes some stuff up. But I had a great time. It was like visiting an old friend, yeah. you know? And like, so, like, I think it's just a matter of like, you have to learn how everything functions, and we're not used to doing that anymore. You know, yeah. We're used to a game sort of giving us a tutorial screen and a text thing and telling us this is how you do this and every time you run into this, this is what's gonna happen. Well, I think and... we're also
0: older and like we value our time. a lot. I mean, that was one of the big tenets I built Sifted on is this for older players who don't have the time to dedicate to games, not just playing games, but also you know, engaging with them on another level as much as they used to because they have mm-hmm. kids and they have a career and whatnot. And I think a lot of people who have careers and maybe have a family, it's hard to rationalize playing a game like that in its current state. It's like, I just spent three hours playing this game, and I made it through, like, one area.
1: Yeah, but if you're playing it right, you you still manage to save some of your souls. You still manage to upgrade your character yeah, a little yeah. bit. You it's going to be a little easier here. next time. Uh, and eventually, you'll get past that. Especially, you know, part of my problem was early on, I wanted, I wanted to use... Um, Big swords. I wanted make to use yeah. the big swords, and it They're turns slow. turns out I suck with them. Yeah, and like the game got a Dark Souls One got a lot better for me when I just started using what I wanted to use, what what I decided I was better at, which was just sword and shield, and that became a, a much better experience for me, and and. Some, you know, I don't like, you know, I'm used to games, you know, I think we're all used to games in the modern era where, like, the game is willing to bend over backwards to let you play how you want to play. Right. Whereas Dark Souls is like, you can play how you want to play, but you better be good at it.
0: No, oh, it's like the Ford Motor Company. You can have any, car- any color you want as long as it's black. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you can play the game however you want as long as it's hard as
1: balls. Yep.
0: <laughs> so, Matt...
1: Also... I- Go, I went back recently and played Demon Souls again, and holy shit, that game's easy now.
0: No, really? Because you're just used to the whole. System I just understand
1: and how it works. Yeah. Like that was the hardest problem. Was like that. Those games do not give you anything. Yeah, like they you have do to not explain out. how the system. And you know, to this day, I don't understand how the the tendency system works on Dark Soul. I mean, right. Demon Souls. But like, you know, or light and dark or whatever. I have no idea. But like because I can go into Demon's Souls now and I understand how everything works and I've got much more experience with it, like, I'm probably more like, you know, level one Demon Demon Souls player sucks. Being, like, a level 10 Dark Souls player playing Demon's Souls is a much better time.
0: All right, so let's get back on topic, cause this actually wasn't just supposed to be about, like...
1: Right. The Soul series, and, and we'll have Blubborn. time for that when Dark Souls three comes out, and you hate it, and I don't.
0: <laughs> well, we don't know that yet. I might like it. I never have a preconceived notion of any game before I play it. So I,
1: I'm my my not a prediction, but like my like my joyful hope would be like it comes out, all the Dark Souls fans hate it, and you love
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the chances of that <laughs> happening are five percent. Very small. Yeah, very small. So here's kind of the final question I want to pose before we move on is. Is it ever not okay for a game to have a variety of difficulty settings?
1: As long as it's not, like, a competitive game, I don't see why it matters. Me either. I can't understand
0: why anyone would care that a game had an easy mode.
1: Like, just I don't just... play on it.
0: Why do you care what the other games people do? mean, games already have
1: easy modes, and I don't play on easy. I just, don't, I just ignore it.
0: Like, I don't care how other people play games. All I care mm-hmm. about is that... People are enjoying themselves while they're playing the games. Like, I don't care how they derive that enjoyment. They could go into a corner in a Mario game and just jump up and down for six hours. If they like that, that's fine. I'm not going to watch them do it, and I wouldn't have fun doing that, but I don't care. All I care about is that they're enjoying themselves and getting enjoyment out of this medium, however they want to do it, within certain reason, I guess. But, But, yeah, I just can't understand why people would care if any game had an easy mode.
1: Or in invincibility mode. I just don't mm. care. Like, if you're talking about a single player game or a cooperative game, I don't see the point of limiting that. Yeah, I mean, What's a competitive
0: game, like, I don't even see how that would apply to a competitive game because everyone would be playing on the same difficulty setting anyway. So the cream would still rise to the top, so to speak. So. Be,
1: but then that, that, that difficulty setting doesn't even matter then. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's even. I'm right. talking about like, Okay, so I'm going to play this online shooter, and the online shooter has an easy mode where my bullets do twice as much damage. Oh, or like someone has
0: like an auto-aim or whatever. something like that. Yeah, I can totally see that.
1: Um, But like, you know, that would be crazy to put in a game, because that's not the point of the game. Something like Star Fox Zero, it's like, well, you're not like competing with anyone. It's also... You're just playing it. It's also... Because that's
0: the real truth. And that's what Nintendo knows, is that there's a lot of kids that play their games.
1: Yeah, especially when their 30-year-old fathers are done playing them themselves. Right, and there's
0: also lots of big kids like us Mm. who like to play their games. And I feel like Nintendo's pretty good at that. Like, It usually doesn't even need a difficulty setting in its games because of the way it ramps things up. Mm. It's like the 5 or 6-year-old will only ever get so far into the game. Yeah. But they're okay with that, because they're also okay with playing those same first five levels over and over.
1: over and over again. And maybe you get, like, one level further yeah. this time, and it's great. Star
0: Fox, oh, I can see it,
1: though, because it is
0: a little more of an involved... It's not just running and mm-hmm. hitting one button to jump. Like, it is a little more complicated.
1: Yeah. Star Fox is also... Um, a skill set we don't see very often You're anymore. Right.
0: Yeah, the 3 d flight game is almost gone at this point but, unless you
1: play VR. Yeah, VR if I can to bring that back. <laughs> a revival, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and also with the the aiming, you know, it could be a very complicated motor skill set for a yeah. younger kid. I get I get that. And I I'm, I'm just not going to play that mode. Yeah. And I don't care if someone else does. No.
0: I don't care at all. In fact, if they if it's a, if the the choice is I do not play this game or I play the game on easy. I want the person to play it on easy. I want them to experience it. I wanna be able to talk with them about it and share our experiences. I wanna hear what it's like to play games on easy. I'm never gonna play them on easy, but I'd like to hear their perspective of what it's like. Games can really change Based upon the difficulty setting, you may end up liking a game a lot more or hating it a lot more, depending on the difficulty, yeah. so... Yeah,
1: because let's not forget that, like, easy difficulties can sometimes just make a good game boring. It can, totally, and make people not want to play yeah. it. So, look, the bottom line here, people,
0: is that we want as many people playing video games as possible. The more people that buy consoles and buy games, the more money that comes into the industry so that they can make more consoles and more games. That's what we want, so... I don't want to hear anybody ever discouraging someone for playing games, no matter for any reason, like, to me it just seems insane, like, it goes against the community of gamers, so to speak, like, we should be inclusive in inviting people in, and whatever it takes to get these people in, like, this isn't like some elite, like, super cool club, like, this is a club we all we want everyone to be a part of because the more influences. We're not more, super cool. No, I'm not. Definitely not. <laughs> we want as many people in as possible because the, all, the other thing about it too is like the more perspectives you have coming into the hobby, the better chance you have of like unique game experiences happening. Like,
1: I don't know. I My just, only caveat is if you have achievements for difficulty, you better make those things stack. Yeah, yeah. Because if I beat normal, give me easy and invincible. Yeah, yeah. So those I don't games play do myself. though. Every once in a while, you run into one that doesn't. Which is
0: total malarkey.
1: Yeah. like The, <laughs> the Earth Defense Force games do that. Why, why would I ever <laughs> want to play that game on easy, very easy mode? Yeah, yeah,
0: sense? yeah. that kind of defeats the whole purpose of that game.
1: But, like, it, it you know, just like, it'd be just like, you know, one more difficulty below easy that I ignore. Well, who, who would ever want to play it on an easier difficulty after
0: beating it on a more challenging right. one? That's insane. Like, it's just not going to happen like
1: the reverse is true obviously yeah or you start on very easy and work your way up but then that's boring to me yeah because there's no challenge no challenge yeah but uh if somebody who doesn't want that challenge just wants to you know that's the the thing about darks the dark souls games to me we're going uh, back to dark souls again (laughs) but like well because that's the difficulty (laughs) thing when you think of it's like the the shame of how hard they are for a lot of people to first get into like. There's so much cool visual shit yeah. in those games that no. I mean, it sucks to me that so many people will never see the gaping dragon in Dark Souls 1, because that's one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. A that's video exactly
0: game. what I'm talking about, though. Like, and I've said it before, like, I love everything about that series, but that. Like, I would love to be able to play through these, and look, I don't want to cakewalk. Like, I'm okay with a challenge, but. I don't want torture either, I guess is the best way to put it. But I'm so. just like,
1: I'm not a huge, like, ooh, difficulty, we're going to conquer the difficulty guy, and I can't categorize the Souls games as torture in that yeah. regard. You just got to, you got to spend more time with them than you've been willing to spend with them at this point. Yeah. Because more time than I was willing to spend until I started getting paid to do it for one of them. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> then somewhere, somewhere like two-thirds of the way through Dark Souls 2, it clicked for me. And yeah. I got it. And I could go back to Dark Souls 1, and I could do it. Yeah. Um. So... Just keep on keeping on. Maybe Dark Souls 3 will do it for you.
0: You never know. Could be. I, I stay positive with this stuff. I think someday I, the, I'm gonna break on through to the other
1: side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you live stream. Everybody can encourage you.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone would be encouraged. It'd just be laughing, <laughs> pointing and laughing. Hey, at me. Jeff
1: Green's practically made a second career out of I that. I know
0: he has. That's pretty crazy, actually. <laughs> I'm not typically bad at like most games. I'm not even really bad at that game. I just don't really have the patience for it, I guess. Yeah. I think in my mind, in general, like I'm always Like, I just multitask, like, today I'm getting ready for the show, and like, while a video is rendering, I shave. Like, I literally, like, try to intelligently spend, like, every minute of every day. Like, I just feel like I can't waste any time. When you run your own business, I just think you just kind of get in this weird mindset where you're like, I can't waste time. I got it. While something is happening over here, I need to be doing something over here. And uh, so, especially with that mindset, since I launched my own company, like I don't, I think my patience for something like that may be even less. Yeah, that so. is
1: not the mindset to have uh, for Dark Souls. Nope, definitely not.
0: All right, so let's move on to the next topic. We're going to talk about cross-platform play. Hmm. Something that Microsoft floated at GDC, basically saying we would love for this to happen. Um, Sony. You know, kind of painted into a corner here. Yeah,
1: kind of like, yeah, we're okay. If, yeah. If if developers want to do that,
0: well, that's what they first. said. We're open said. to it. That's what they first said, and then they were basically like, well, you know, there are like business reasons that we wouldn't want to do that. Blah blah blah. Here's here's my thing. So but only so
1: Microsoft he- holds players back from Utopia.
0: Right. Well, here. So so okay, let's first talk about the advantages of cross-platform play so for instance destiny so there's a lot of people that love destiny it's been a huge online game ever since it launched it has a mass a massive dedicated audience to it the day the division launches destiny turns into a ghost town Hmm. i don't know if you saw like any of the reports but literally Hmm. like everybody was gone like overnight and they may never come back so If this game has cross-play functionality, cross-platform functionality, suddenly instead of it being completely empty, there's, like, still enough people to, like, Mm -hmm. actually play the game. Um, The same thing could be said about Call... Well, maybe Call of Duty isn't a great example of this. But, you know, Call of Duty, Black Ops 2 still has, like, a bunch of people playing it. But there's other ones, like Ghost, for instance, like, people... Mm -hmm went a mass exodus from that game pretty quickly there's some people who really liked it i've seen some people They're who say very
1: well at, well named at this point
0: exactly i mean i've met people who say that that's like their favorite call of duty believe it or not like everyone has their own opinion on what they like in games so maybe the ghost player if if call of duty was cross-platform maybe that person who really liked that game could still go and play mm-hmm. ghost multiplayer like so it works for big games but i think really where you start to see it is for some of the little the smaller guys so let's take Japanese fighting games. You know, we talked last week about, at least in my opinion, I feel like Street Fighter Five is pretty much bombed at this point. Um, it it appears that fighting games, unless you're NetherRealm Studios and Mortal Kombat, are turning into like even more niche than they were before. So you have a game like King of Fighters fourteen. Even among people like us who love fighting games, King of Fighters is still is niche
1: inside the niche. Yeah. It's not, it's not your top-tier fighting game. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: look, some people would say it's their favorite fighting game. And oh, yeah. some people like it as, like, their fighting system and, and prefer it. But it's
1: never going to headline a tournament. Right. Unless the tournament is specifically King or of King Fighters. Or King of Fighters, right. I mean, I love SNK fighting games. I'm not trying to tear yeah. down King of Fighters, but it is, it's, you know, it's, King of Fighters has always been an also-ran next to Street For Fighter. Sure.
0: So let's talk about King of Fighters. So the game comes out. It'll probably have that, you know, some curious people who will buy it at launch week. And the fans, of course, SNK does have a pretty big fan contingent. First week of that game is going to be great. Second week, going to be okay. Third week, starting to get a little sparse. Fourth week, hard to find a match. If it's on one platform. But if that game is on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and PC and all those players can play together, it extends the longevity of that game for fans. It could extend it into infinity, in all honesty, or at least for a full year or more, like there are huge advantages i mean even look at like Tekken 7 i mean again with the the appearance that fighting games are starting to lose some of their momentum at this point like even Tekken 7 could be a game where after a month or so things start to mm. get a little sparse on the in the leaderboards and on the in the community so there's to me
1: it also takes off the pressure of like you know everybody there's a lot of talk with you know a lot of fighting game fans when new new games came out everyone's like well what version are you getting right because like some people want to stick with xbox because that's what they have a stick yep. for because they got it for killer instinct some people want to go with playstation because they have sticks for that that they, they're compatible from the playstation 3 some people want to get pc because that's what they play everything on and, like, so everyone's trying to work, you know, just there's some people that are friends or, like, have to train against each other. They can't play each other because one of them got the Xbox version one of them got the PC version.
0: Well, it's like Capcom went on record to say, and this is total bullcrap, by the way, I don't believe it for a second, but what they went on the record to say was the reason that Street Fighter V is exclusive to PlayStation 4 is because they did not want to split their user base. Hmm. They're like, we want everybody who is playing Street Fighter be playing on the same platform, that way everyone who goes to tournaments and all the eSports stuff, everyone's on equal footing, and it doesn't turn into this like, well, which version are we using at mm-hmm. this tournament or that tournament? I don't believe it for a second. I'm of a money hat. As well. Why they Some,
1: somewhat, but the other thing is, the other reason that I think that happened is because uh, the guys who made Skullgirls had written a driver for PlayStation that let PlayStation 3 compatible sticks run on the PlayStation 4, if you used that driver in your game. So right. like you can take their driver put it in your game and you can use PlayStation 3 sticks. And that's what Street Fighter V did. You cannot do that on the Xbox One because Microsoft keeps its controller stuff proprietary. and I, and, don't, I, and think, secret. That
0: has, I think that has nothing to do with it at all. I think I think
1: it, I think it has more to do with it when you would think.
0: Uh, maybe very because the Because
1: they knew their audience was going very hard PlayStation. Yeah. Because they knew they were going to be able to keep their sticks. Yeah, Killer Instinct isn't enough of a draw to get people to buy. A yeah, but $2. most of $2. their stick. fans
0: didn't have PlayStation 3s. All their fans had Xbox 360s. They didn't have a PlayStation 3 or a PlayStation 3 stick.
1: But a lot of those sticks are uh, cross compatible. Yeah, it's a very cross simple, platform. It's a very simple mod. <laughs> Sorry. But again, there's another example why cross-platform is exactly. freaking awesome. But you can't use your Xbox 360 sticks on the Xbox right. One. I have like eight of those damn things, and they're all basically useless now.
0: Okay, so let's. We talked about all the things that
1: are that's great about cross-platform,
0: and there are many. There's mm-hmm. well, actually that's not even funny. Let's talk about shooters. So, there are some shooters that are really good. Some. That are just basically multiplayer focused like Rising Storm Two. It's a great multiplayer shooter. It has like this huge niche fan base. Like, but games like that, they have like their month of release. People play them online for a month, and then they go back to Call of Duty. And eventually, the community is so small that everybody stops playing it, even though they love it, because there's nobody to play
1: play with. Because you can't start a game. Right.
0: Singularity is another. Shooter from the past, it probably could have had decent legs if it was cross-platform. It I like
1: forgot that it even had multiplayer.
0: It did, and yeah, it totally did. And like people really enjoyed the multiplayer, but it was so small that after a while, after a certain amount of people drop off, you feel like you're kind of all alone out there. It's and like then, you were the same five guys. Every yeah, night. and and eventually you're like, well, I'm not like a part of the crowd now. Like I'm playing this weird game with like these five <laughs> freaks from like New Zealand or wherever. Like, and so you move on yourself. Um, I just feel like games like that could be a lot more viable, and not only would it make it people more apt to purchase them, knowing mm-hmm. that maybe they'd have a longer legs, but it also would encourage the developers to work on multiplayer modes for their games that they know aren't AAA, big-budget, top-shelf releases that are going to get a lot of love at retail. Mm-hmm. Um, Bioshock, there's another one. Like, the multiplayer in that game just like lasted, like, two weeks. But I guarantee you if like that multiplayer was spread out across three platforms it would have lasted a lot oh, longer
1: three platforms. Right. I I don't see when it, you got to be careful with the shooter thing cuz if you include PC I think you've just doomed the console players. No you're, right. Players to, no, you're to death. absolutely
0: right. A competitive
1: Like it doesn't matter on a fighting game cuz everyone's using the stick the right. same stick or whatever but like I think uh, Or a
0: control pad.
1: Yeah. But I think Call of Duty Call of Duty I think it would be cool if they could do or games like that they could do PlayStation and Xbox and just sort of mesh the communities or even I mean, I don't know how hard it is to like do that after the fact, but if you could actually do something where, like, oh, this game's community is starting to flag, we should, you know, activate cross-platform. Merge. Yeah, merge them. And do that. I mean, I,
0: you might you should just have that from launch, though. I mean, I can't yeah, see any reason no why you segregate to. and then integrate.
1: But, um, you know, so, I mean, I think that's a good move for just about any game, though.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we talked about all the good parts of cross-platform play. And sports games. Think about play. how,
1: you know... You know, last year's sports games, a lot of people abandoned them. Yeah. That w- that You're would absolutely help keep right. You're absolutely right.
0: And it would have would keep you from having to, spend, I know the know, maybe it's one of the reasons the publishers don't do it, yeah. is because it would keep people from upgrading the next year, true. particularly with the sports game, even with shooters maybe. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we just uncovered why the <laughs> publishers won't freaking do it. That's, That's what true. we do here on Sifted. So, can you think of any downsides other than that one to cross platform play? No. From Sony's perspective.
1: From Sony's perspective. Well, No, I mean like I don't I don't know what the I mean I guess they don't just don't want to have anything to do with anything related to Microsoft one way or the other, but it's just like in terms of like your experience on PlayStation, I don't see how that would change anything. See,
0: I can see why Microsoft wants it to happen because you know, they're losing. They're not right. just losing, they're getting their butts kicked, but having PlayStation customers mingling with mm. their customers.
1: Who knows? Man, can you imagine, like, the clans that would... Like, the Xbox clans versus the PlayStation right. clan, Like, the, the, the console wars, like... On the on, battlefield. On, on, yeah. yeah.
0: It could be awesome.
1: It could be, could be pretty great. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, here's my perspective on this. So, Sony's been, like, non-committal, And, like, the last thing it said was kind of, like, from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense. But... It re- I really can't see where it wouldn't make sense. Well, I get if because if, they're also intermingling with the Xbox and PC consumers as well. So right. there's just much opportunity but, for cross pollinization But
1: I think maybe their it doesn't make business sense statement is more like uh, if we don't do this, it helps to slowly choke Microsoft to death on the vine. Because like part of why Microsoft would want this is like so their online stuff, multiplatform online stuff doesn't dry up so fast. Because like I think that's what they're worried about is like you know the lower user base, the lower sales on Xbox will lead to oh I don't want to buy this multiplayer game on Xbox because I know in the past I've done that and the community like you know there's no Dwindle. one to play with after a couple months yeah. but if I get PlayStation that's a much bigger community a bigger bigger you know install base so I wonder if some of Sony's reticence to this is like uh well it doesn't make sense for us because we're helping Microsoft by allowing this and while it is a pro, more pro consumer angle it doesn't do Sony any favors in the process, because they they would I think prefer that Microsoft you know get strangled off uh, slowly and and become like oh they want that person to be like oh I'll just get the PlayStation version.
0: But it does do Sony consume well. First of all, Sony's consumers I feel like it's a huge boon for them. And if you're a Sony, you do care about your consumer satisfaction. I mean, being able to play with your buddy who only owns an Xbox One on your PlayStation Four. That's pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, like,
1: but like this, from Sony's perspective, I think you think you'd have to be like, well, it hasn't stopped them from buying the system so far. So, what, what good? You know, it would be better to like, you know, continue on what we're doing and have that be a bad thing for our main competitor rather than add this slight little boon mm-hmm. to the people who are paying for PSN now. I might right, add. right.
0: Well, people pay for Xbox Live too. Yeah, so. but they weren't
1: always paying for PSN. And yeah. so I wonder how much of that is like. Like, wow. Here,
0: here's what I want to say about this whole thing is that, you know, Sony has portrayed itself as, like, the savior of the consumer. We swooped in and saved you from that evil Microsoft who didn't want to let you sell your used games and wanted you to be online all the time. And we're the champion of the people. And, like, there is that aesthetic, like, out there mm-hmm. among otaku and gamers that Sony cares about us Here is Sony's opportunity to prove it really does care about consumers because, let's be honest, it didn't... The decisions it made at the beginning of the PlayStation 4's lifespan had nothing to do with caring about consumers. It put that makeup on its face because it had that opportunity because Microsoft announced its stuff first, and it sees an opportunity. But don't think for a second that Sony actually gave a crap about the consumers. Like, all it cared about making money and it knew that if it played this angle of yeah we're like pro consumer pro gamer all about if you're so the pro gamers, consumer, make
1: a controller last more than a year yeah well if you're so pro consumer the ball's in your court let us play with people on xbox yeah but then you're gonna be like oh i'm gonna play rocket league on my playstation oh look there's a guy dressed as the halo warthog hey i sure like halo maybe i should get an xbox oh come that's on that's what they're thinking that's, that's, that's what Sony's insane thinking. You, can, you can't you can't you cannot consume
0: video game media without being exposed to other video games. You just yeah, but can't. Yeah, Sony,
1: but Sony sees that as helping.
0: Helping what? Microsoft. How,
1: though? By making you think of Halo while you're playing a PlayStation.
0: You're also telling the people who are playing the game on your PlayStation 4 that you don't need an Xbox One to play this game. You're smacking them in the face with it. Look, you got it. And yeah. chances are you're playing it at a higher resolution
1: but but then people but on
0: Xbox One, but they're not
1: worried about Rocket League. They're worried about the game that they're reminding you of that you can only get on the Xbox.
0: I, I don't see that at all. I
1: well, I, you don't see it because you're not a corporation. Like that, I mean, that's what they're thinking. That's what's in their head when they say maybe this isn't such a good idea. I here's. I'm what, not saying it makes sense. I'm just saying that's what they're thinking. Here's what I think. I think Sony's
0: bluff is getting called right now. I think, and I think Microsoft might even have a little bit might be having a little bit of fun right now because look, they've been stepped on and spit on by gamers for being anti-consumer. But Microsoft knew all along that it screwed up and it made a mistake. And it also knew that Sony was going to do the same damn thing. But once it saw the backlash over the Xbox announcement, it reversed course Mm. and then suddenly put on the pro consumer outfit and started doing a little jig. And so this is kind of Microsoft like saying, okay, mr pro consumer here's your chance to really prove it so we're down with opening up our ecosystem and working with you guys how about you and like you said rocket league you know sony at first tried to say well we don't know if it's technically feasible and then sign <laughs> on <laughs>
1: like everything's done except the politics
0: like the next day <laughs> the next day yeah. they were like we've got it figured out
1: here's the code
0: go do it and now like, so, well business did like
1: I think Sony's going to end up having to back down. I think it's just, you know, because people want it and it's already proven to be feasible and eventually Microsoft's going to get asked, asked about it again, maybe at E3 or whatever, and they'll be like, go, Still talk to, go ask Sony. Still waiting. Like, we're ready. Go for it. And like, at a certain point, Sony's either got to like, you know, give it up and, and do it or like admit that they're like, not, they, you know, that the decision's not being made with their consumer's interests at heart and that is not going to be a good look for them.
0: So I saw something from Cade Bolt in our chat saying, the only reason Microsoft wants to play ball is because they are behind.
1: I would say that is part of it, yeah. Do you? Yeah. If, they, if Microsoft was, like, dominating, you think they'd want anyone messing with their ecosystem, their walled garden? No, not at all. I don't, but it, I don't understand how it hurts anybody. Because you just don't want anyone thinking about your competitor when they're using your product like that's just basic corporate speak like that's yeah. like, like when I'm playing an ex- to, from Microsoft's perspective when I'm playing an Xbox I should never ever think about a PlayStation <laughs> when I'm playing a PlayStation from Sony's perspective I should never ever think about an Xbox nothing should remind me that there is another world over there that's that's yeah. their thinking that's i mean i'm not saying it makes sense i'm not saying it's fair i'm not saying it's in our best interest as consumers i'm saying that as a corporate entity that's what you're thinking you don't want them thinking about the other competitor at all unless it's to think about how much that competitor sucks and compared it to you but and how it,
0: here's the thing how what if you don't even know whether someone's playing on xbox or playing on pc or playing on playstation sure
1: but like what I'm saying is like how would you know? Because what's because that's not what they're thinking. I think what you're thinking is is a, a situation like Rocket League, where each platform kind of has some of their exclusive uh, car right, bodies. But and but you also
0: look at it. This is also a chance for Sony to promote to the Xbox brand. It's a symbiotic thing. It's like this is their chance to scoop up what Microsoft has left.
1: Yeah, but conventional corporate wisdom does not know what the word symbiotic means when it comes to two <laughs> competitors like that like you're talking about crossing a line that has been you know drawn in the sand forever like it's it's a it's a it's a you know from a corporate gabe view, newell's on board he's a, ready to do it yeah but gabe newell's insane he's
0: not insane he's a genius
1: well yeah but that sometimes <laughs> is the same thing i don't think he's insane at
0: all i think he's probably one of the five but smartest sony, people in our but industry. It,
1: that doesn't matter because if you ask the people in charge of making decisions at sony and microsoft uh, about something like, even I'm sure if you go above the Xbox level at Microsoft, you show, say, hey, they're thinking about doing this, and, you know, Gabe Newell's on board with this, they're like, well, Gabe's fucking crazy, because, like, Sony's the ones that are doing what's good for the for the business, you know, uh-huh. because they're trying to keep you away from that competitor in every imaginable aspect. Here, like, here's that's why, really why this is you. so hard for them to, and I, I'm sure this also goes back, I'm sure, you know, maybe Sony America is kind of cool with it, but Sony Japan... You know, doing that is like that. I mean, has Microsoft approached Nintendo about this too? Because I'd love to well, see everybody. Nobody plays Nintendo well, games right. online. But that would be very beneficial to Nintendo then. Would it? No. Because, no, because nobody <laughs> it? makes their game multi platform. I don't think it'd it would be
0: beneficial to anybody other than the consumer who will have more people to play with. Maybe you just make a mandate like no icons. So you have no idea whether someone's playing on Xbox or PlayStation or. NX But or do you PC? like but
1: what about like do you like for something like rocket league's like no um no halo stuff on your car
0: whatever it's one that's one game
1: yeah like, but it's not uncommon that like there's co- platform what other games stuff. have
0: platform exclusive like cosmetics in them
1: well you have early early access dlc so you'll know that anybody wearing that particular helmet is playing on a playstation
0: most people don't know that i don't know that i work in this shit every day and i don't know that like i couldn't play like i could not go home and boot up black ops 3 right now and tell you like oh that gun's only available mm-hmm. for Xbox. I have no idea. And I I'd do
1: this all day, every day. But again, like, I, I don't know what you're arguing here because, like, you've been corporate environments. You yeah. know how unreasonable that shit is. But and it's how... not.
0: Like, there's lots of times that corporations work together and do cross-promotion. We did it all the time at Viacom. Like, the bottom line here is that, like,
1: there's an opportunity. Cross-promotion is one thing, but you aren't, weren't in direct competition. Did you ever do one of those cross-promotion things with NBC? Did we ever team up and do G4 and Spike together at E3? No, because we're in direct competition with each other. That's a very hard line to get a corporation across, especially a traditional one like Sony.
0: Right. If there's something I think the to, only way this I is I think going, it is if there's something to win or lose and I don't think the, they and the the partnership is overt. Like again, this right. isn't something that's overt. It's not like everybody who's playing on Xbox has like an Xbox icon floating over there. I just don't think around.
1: Sony uh, is seeing this as enough of a benefit for them to warrant making that what they see as a risk. I think the only way we're going to see them Give on this is if people make a stink about how they cross play. the point I'm trying to get at is that Sony
0: is only consumer friendly when it's convenient to Sony and well, when yeah, it can, right. Like, but the problem is, is that
1: like that's been Sony's pro- My problem with Sony forever.
0: It, right, Sony has been that way for forever. But what bothers me is that there's all these people out there that think Sony is like the the savior of this generation. That like they stepped up to do what Microsoft would know... They made decisions to take more of your money out of your wallet. Like, I have a huge issue with people who get really wrapped up in companies. Like any company, because when you work at a company, you realize that they don't, most of them don't give a crap about their customers. Like all they care about is a way to extract another dollar out of them, and like that's all Sony's doing here. Like Sony has, it's like the graphic says, Sony's big test. This is a test for Sony. This is a chance for Sony to put its efforts where its mouth is and be pro-consumer because everybody else is waiting the ball is sitting there in their court and they can pick it up and they can dribble it or they can kick it off the court and like i think sony's probably going to kick it off the court because it's like you said where's the win here how can they make more money off Mm -hmm. of this and that's all it cares about and look that's all microsoft cares about it's all it's all nintendo cares about that's business But this is an opportunity for Sony to actually do something to earn Mm -hmm. its reputation as the pro-consumer platform. Right,
1: but that's also why I think Microsoft is doing this to some degree is because, yes, they are behind and they want a little positive press. And I think they think... That Sony's not going to make that choice. I think they think this is a chance That's to make what Sony, I just lo- said. Sony look like a dick.
0: That's what I just said. Microsoft is calling their bluff, and ma- and look, because in all honesty, Sony dick them pretty good. Mm. They're
1: like, oh, we didn't want to do that. No, but you if Microsoft do that was if Microsoft was winning, I don't think they would feel the need to do that. I don't know. That's th- cause well, no, is, cause no, I don't think it's about petty. winning or
0: losing. It's petty. It is totally petty. But, but it
1: feels less petty when you're behind for some reason. To me, it feels like. Feels he like, hey, those guys are great and they're really doing a good job, you know, dominating the industry and giving you what you want as gamers. But what if we ask them about this? You know, like there's no, a little no, bit. Of this that's that. exactly what I'm
0: saying. This mm. is a total like trying to t- twist the knife a little bit. And I kind of like the gamesmanship a little bit, to be perfectly honest with you, because I don't see the downside for Microsoft. Because I, think I don't
1: see how this could blow up in their face. Oh, there's I, no I, way I, it will. I think this is just there's like no way it will. Sony's either gonna gonna acquiesce or Sony's gonna look like a dick. Yeah. Like there's no other real scenario here.
0: But anyway, I wanted to discuss this topic because there was this layer underneath and, like, that's what I like to do on Game Face. I, like, I don't want to just take stuff at face value. Uh-huh. Like, I want to dig underneath to try to figure out why stuff is happening and, and how it's happening, and I think this is the case where a lot of people just look at it like, well, I'll just do it, Sony, but There's other things like ticking under the hood here that could or could not keep it from
1: happening. Yeah, the 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 Rocket League guys did not use the term politics lightly. Yeah, they said that was all over (laughs) but the politics. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot of that going on.
0: So we'll see. I would really be surprised if Sony does it because there's no benefit to them other than their 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 customers.
1: I'd be surprised if if there's no financial benefit to them. I'd I'd be surprised if they did it. Before, like, a big public stink was raised. Like, yeah. you know, I, th- I think you're going to need something, not not on the, maybe on the scale of the reaction to, uh, to Microsoft's um, DRM announcement plans that, like, you know, caused them to go back on it. Yeah. Um, but I think enough of a reaction that, like, you know, if, if that many people care, I mean, I don't know how many people are real interested. It seems like if you hear about it uh, as a gamer you'd probably think it was a good idea to yeah. let the two consoles play. But is it, it? going to
0: motivate people to start a hashtag and probably not.
1: Well maybe if they add an easy mode to Dark Souls <laughs> and the only way to get rid of it is to enable crossplay. <laughs> that's how we get it would there. be done in a day. <laughs>
0: done in a day. All right, it's time to move on to the last topic of the big 6. We're going to talk about game journalism. Um, and where it is headed. We talked about this a little bit when game trailers closed down, but I really talked a lot more about the financial side of it and, you know, how the different revenue models that you can have and how hard it is to survive as an ad supported website. I want to talk more about just like the, the type of content that's being created and how that is going to change and evolve over time and what we can expect to see in five years time from from gaming journalism. So I think the first thing I would say to kind of kick off the the whole topic is that there isn't much gaming journalism anymore. And look, I realize a lot of people would say there never was any. like. A lot of people like to bag on games journalists, and I think a lot of that is just envy for their jobs and them trying to say they're unqualified for their jobs, blah, 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 and jealousy and that type of thing. There are real journalists in the industry, and through the years there have been a lot of really good real journalists in gaming, and there continue to be. There still are a lot, but that tact, that style of content seems to be getting squeezed out, I guess is the Mm -hmm. best way to put it. So,
1: I think because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pay the bills, frankly.
0: Well, let's start off by okay. We're showing Jim Quisition right now. So mm. this week, Jim, who we I know I love. I don't I don't know what your perspective is on Jim I Sterling, like but I love him. I think he's really smart. I think he takes unique angles with all his editorial. I, w-
1: I watch his videos whenever he puts them up, which uh, is more than I can say for a lot of people. Every Monday, yeah, is
0: he does a new Jim So, and we curate every one of them. In fact, we curate almost all Jim yeah.
1: stuff. So, frankly, I'll watch this about anybody who puts a Star Scream on his podium. <laughs> So, Jim this week was sued
0: by a mobile developer called Digital Homicide. Uh, this developer makes pretty awful games. Like, the developer himself has admitted that, you know, they released games when they were just starting to learn how to program.
1: Yeah. Um, Jim, the game in question, like, uses, like, entirely, like, pre-created assets. Th-
0: that studio has been busted for stealing assets and putting them in its games, using yeah. kept tracks kept music using oh, yeah. canned sound effects
1: the, um what is it the blood splatter that appears on the on the screen when you get hit is like literally taken from a google image search and they didn't even cut all the white off the side it's like of it. clip I mean, art it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing
0: so look the studio has a share of issues it's not even a studio i think <laughs> it's, it's like, like two, it's two brothers two, two guys yeah, yeah. And uh, so Jim Sterling has been pretty hard on this mm-hmm. studio's games in the past. And, he's, and not like
1: he didn't target them. It was like he does that usual like thing where he picks a bad Steam game and, and like, plays it and kind of just makes fun of it. And
0: for some context, Jim Sterling used to be the reviews editor at Destructoid. He, he did a great job. I love reading his reviews. If you guys haven't checked them out, you should go to his website. I think it's just jimsterling.com. Um He was the reviews editor at Destructoid for quite some time. Broke off to do his own thing on YouTube and start his own little website that he does. um, Doing very well on his own. But he has never been one to pull punches. Like, he is... Mm -hmm. It's like we used to say on X-Play, brutally honest reviews. Like, his reviews are brutally honest. And, uh... So, basically what happened is he was doing his thing that he's done hundreds, thousands of times before, railing on bad games, or just railing on a game in general. And for whatever reason this little mobile developer really took issue with him. And it ended up becoming, like, you can see right now what we're showing on the screen is actually a video that that developer made where he laid text over top of Jim reviewing their game and basically just berating Jim. And so
1: it's really creepy. The whole think, thing you know,
0: is really, really creepy. And if you go on Jim Sterling's YouTube channel, you can actually find a conversation there between Jim and... And one of the guys in the studio. Yeah,
1: that's the other. is like only Jim Sterling would like. there you can see the uh, the white around the blood there. Yeah. Only Jim Sterling would be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and talk to you guys. He actually like, did, yeah. and
0: he talked to them for like an hour and a half. So you know, if it, it, just, that
1: is also really awkward. It is
0: and, awkward, but also incredibly interesting. I highly recommend checking it out. So basically, what's happened is these two have gone back and forth now for months and months and months, and finally, just out of the blue the guy
1: sues him for $10 million. <laughs> $10 million, like lost revenue. Yeah. Like that was going to sell $10 million. Uh, what? Is It's a completely frivolous
0: lawsuit. The problem is that you can find lawyers who will take cases yeah. for free, and all they work on is a contingent that they'll take a percentage of whatever the judgment is.
1: I guess, so, he, I guess he
0: called Saul. Exactly. <laughs> so he managed to find some hard-on-his-luck lawyer who hasn't had a winning case in a long time who was like, Okay, I'll take this case for free, but he probably asked for a higher percentage of any potential payout because the chances of winning are so, are slim yeah. to none, basically. But here's the thing. So Jim now has to hire a lawyer unless he plans on defending himself, which would not be a no. good idea. I think he like has that.
1: one. Or, I mean, he's right. mentioned his lawyer. I mean, but you have to pay lawyers
0: yeah. lots and lots of money. So now out of like nowhere... Jim Sterling, who basically busts his butt to pay his bills making videos on YouTube, has to pay a lawyer because some insane game developer went after him. And so this brings me back to where I think game journalism is starting to change, is that the expectations for game journalism are starting to change because the majority of the content that we see around games is starting to change from critical to enthusiast. It's almost frowned upon now to take games seriously or to look for issues in games. Like the thing now is like you're enthusiastic about games, mm-hmm. you're a cheerleader for games, you're happy about all the games and all the games are great and like and that that I feel is is like a byproduct of YouTube. And the YouTubers and the people who are just shiny, happy... Like it says on the screen, happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. <laughs> I love running and Stimpy, by the way. Little creatures in so...
1: nature. They don't know that they're ugly. <laughs> Why not you <laughs> Why? We'll so anyway... I want you to be happy.
0: I feel like the... And the developers, I think, you know, they're you can tell they're on YouTube. They created, like, their own YouTube video to try mm. to blow Jim out of the water. Like, they spent a lot of time on there. So what they've done is they've watched all these YouTubers play games and sit there and say how awesome they are for three hours or on Twitch or wherever where they may or may not be getting paid for these positive connotations. You sit and you watch, you get conditioned to expect certain things. And so when you come across someone like Jim who comes from a real journalism background, does real journalism, is critical of things when they deserve to be criticized, You can it's like a slap in the face. It's like an eye-opener. And so you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, I watched some other YouTuber play my game, and he just sat there and smiled and had a good time the whole time. And I just feel like this whole change, this whole shift in tone of covering games, I wouldn't even call it game journalism, but just covering games... Has almost made people who try to look at things a little more with a critical eye stand out for one, and, mm-hmm. and, and then ultimately get some ire from people. I mean, I think you see some of that with uh, with easy allies. You know, they're kind of known for just being positive about every game that they play. And a lot of the comments I see about those guys is they just have fun playing games. They love every game. But is that really helping you as a consumer, trying to figure out whether you want to buy a game or not? It's entertaining, mm. and it's a good way to spend your time if you enjoy watching people talk about games or play games. But when you're talking about, like, when the rubber hits the road and you're plunking down that credit card at GameStop, mm. does that help you at all?
1: No. Like, like, the YouTube kind of angle on that always feels to me like, you because, know, like, you've got, you know, game critics... Who like you know the, the, you know uh, it's not it's not it's still not really journalism that's that's criti- criticism that's different, and so you got game critics reviewing things and I think we're not afraid to be to be critical about things. But to me the um you know kind of the YouTube enthusiasm about whatever game or what well, I'm going to play this and it's great and this is a lot of oh wow there's a good it reminds me of like Entertainment Tonight or uh, or like you know E or like or you know, extra 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 extra. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that kind of thing. It's, it's like you know, it's like fluff journalism. It's not journalism, but it's like that fluffy sort of like. If you just are interested in this, watch us like just also be interested in it. Yeah. Like that, you know, that's all it is. And Jim Sterling is not trying to do that. And apparently, he accidentally picked a uh, developer that's crazy because like I don't. Here's the thing. Like that video is weird to me because it's like, you think the people that made that game really think it's good?
0: i don't think the guy does i've listened to the entire conversation he had with jim and like yeah. he admitted he's like i'm not a good programmer but i don't it didn't matter to him right like, all he knows is that he spent a ton of time and effort on this thing mm-hmm. that this guy on the internet is crapping all over well and the irony believed, is he's looking for a place to place the blame for the failure of the game but the
1: irony is that like jim's like, all the, the flap about Jim with this game has probably sold more copies of that game than it would have otherwise. Or at least because people, like, checked it out. People checked it out. People know the name. Although, frankly, I don't remember the name. Um, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> people, people checked it out. And I'm sure some people bought it to play it and make fun of it on their own YouTube channels. They probably He probably sold some copies of that game just beyond... I'm sure, there's people that own Manos Hands of Fate on DVD solely because Mr. Science Theater made it a thing. And that's the other, you know, Mr. Science Theater had problems with that too. Sometimes you'd have, you know, these these guys who made these movies like 20 years ago come back and be like, how dare you make fun of my movie with the gorilla in the robot helmet? Right. (laughs) And it's like, you know, some people just don't have perspective on that because you throw a lot of your blood, sweat, and tears into these things. But um, it really is strange how every once in a while people are shocked that someone dared to be critical of something. And it's like, there's not even it shouldn't even be controversy over being critical over this. Just look at it. I know, yeah. Look at the blood there. You can see the white edge. Yeah, I mean that, <laughs> that looks like a five dollar Mac game I would have bought in 1997. Right. I mean, it's just like this. Yeah. Like, where's the controversy here? But even those people, I guess, can manage to lawyer up effectively once in a while. Yeah. So like, I guess that's the you know, and I don't I don't know how much money Jim makes doing that, and like, is it is that going to take Jim Sterling down?
0: I hope not.
1: I would hope not too, but like. I mean, look. If they would win the if they would win the case, of course it would. Like, well, yeah. it would
0: take all and of us not gonna, down. Like, they're not <laughs> going to win
1: that. But like, but it's like it still costs yeah, money to fight it. Spending
0: ten or twenty grand for a lawyer yeah. if it gets drugged out that far. Like, I mean, that's
1: the thing about you know why the legal department's advice always you know even when we're in a journalistic situation where we're like you know this is fair use we'd get away if we used it. They're like, yes, that's pr-, you know we would win the case, but the idea is not to go to court in the first place because that costs money. Because that's the thing. It's like Jim.
0: It's going to cost him money no matter what, yeah. because he has nothing to gain other than not paying ten million dollars. Right. And for so his lawyer, it's not like he can cut a deal with his lawyer and say you'll get half of right. whatever. Like the lawyer's like, no, you're paying me for this. And
1: if you're lucky, um, you know, if I mean, the... it's really a
0: dick move. It is, but if I studio. mean, if the
1: lawsuit is dismissed as frivolous, it is possible the judge could rule that the you know the plaintiff. Uh, has to pay the defendant's legal fees yeah. because it was a frivolous lawsuit, and no one should ever have had to spend money to defend themselves against it. So, but again, that's after the fact. After that money has been, you know, you can't just like tell a lawyer like, "Wait until we're done," right? Because the lawyers also have has to eat. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, you have to spend that money to then get that money back. And if you don't have the money to spend in the first place, you're screwed. Like, you can't yeah. fight it. I mean, you know, and, and that's the concern. I mean, I think you know. I guess you go to Kickstarter or you go to like, you know, GoFundMe or something at that point, but like it's it's weird that like you can even have to worry about that as someone who just makes videos on the internet. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying like the expectations have changed so much for how games
0: are covered that like you stand out when you like take a stand on something or you vehemently mm-hmm. feel like there's something wrong with a product. Like, you know, we've seen the closures of websites or the downsizing of most of the major gaming websites. Um, over the last, like, couple years, obviously, GT went away. It was one mm-hmm. of the top three gaming sites in the world just, like, three or four years ago, and it's already gone. Um, Kotaku right now and Gawker are in dire straits because Gawker was sued by Hulk Hogan because... Uh, look, and I agree with this. Like, one of its editors ran, like, a
1: sex tape of Hulk right. Hogan. An old sex tape that had already had a court order against it. Right. And they, they basically knowingly... Took the, took the risk you know they, they, they broke that and, and they're like oh well it's it's new news but the people have a right to know and it's like well not really because it's just about Hulk Hogan's sex life or, and who yeah, wants it, to see that anyway well no also, I, think it, I think it was because it was part of the sex tape that related to him using racist uh, words right right that's right um, yeah and, and you know and Hogan went after them and uh you know Gawker's done similar things a lot of times but Hogan's the one who had the money and the time and the anger to go after them and he and he wow did he win he won 125 million 100, 100, plus another 20 20, extra 25 in damages. In, in damages and 150 uh,
0: million they're saying Gawker's worth 80 million Gawker, 85 million
1: uh the last valuation was about 300 million that's not what I read today. Ago. Well, that's, I I looked that up as soon as I saw the verdict. I'm like, oh, how much is Gawker worth? And the estimate was about 300 million.
0: I read the story on USA Today today. Just
1: to kind of get my source mm-hmm. out there, but yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter because you don't have that kind of money to pay that off.
0: Well, there's a, here's the thing: is like they have a parent company, which is just like an acronym. It's just like some faceless right. corporation that's worth way more than that. Maybe that's worth the number you're getting from. Is the parent company yeah. is worth like three to five hundred million? That might be it. Yeah. But they weren't named
1: in the suit. Right. Gawker Media LLC is the company. Yep. That was so named. they
0: cannot go after like the parent company. Right. They can only go after. Well, that's the point Gawker. of an LLC?
1: Uh, to do that, but like yeah, one way what, whatever whatever however you want to run the numbers, uh, Gawker can't pay that much money for anything. They only make about forty million in revenue a year, and that's not profit, that's revenue right
0: that they made forty four million last year in ad sales, mm-hmm. which I was really shocked that's to see it not that bad
1: low. that's actually low, is it? Oh, yeah, that's really low. For, for, like, something as big as them? Yeah. Hmm. Like, that's really low. Well, like I said before, what will, you know, if, I mean, they're going to try to appeal, but appealing that is going to cost a lot of money in the first place. I don't know where they're going to get the bond for that, because here's and the thing. And they're
0: trying to get the amount lowered. I don't, right.
1: They're trying to try to get the amount lowered, but I don't know if their insurance will even cover this because they knowingly violated the existing right. order yeah. on that video. Yeah. Which means you are knowingly putting yourself in that path, which means, like, the insurance might not have a, an obligation to cover your ass. Right. Um... What will happen if uh, if it goes through, even if they cut it down, it's still going to be an obscene amount of money. Uh, what will happen is they would have to declare bankruptcy and the Gawker Media LLC would have to sell off their assets, which is all, you know, Kotaku, Jezebel, Gizmodo, Gawker the Blog, like yeah. all that stuff would have to be sold, you know, Jalopnik, all that stuff would have to be sold off. Um, in which case, you know, Kotaku is one of the most successful things they have there. And I would think that someone would probably want to pick that up just for the amount of eyeballs it has. And a lot of that, you know, there's a chance that Kotaku could continue. Fairly uninterrupted. Who's going to buy, though? That's a good question. (laughs) I mean, unless it's like. Who's in the market to have a video game Mm vlog? Who would
0: buy? Because, I mean, the trend right now for video game websites is not a rosy one. No. And look, even though Kotaku has been kind of immune to this downturn in traffic for traditional gaming websites, it's not completely immune. And investors go a lot on, like, industry trends mm. and investor sentiment and- you would
1: basically have to like you'd have to hope for either like some like investor vc guy who like decides like oh i want to get in on this this kataku thing. like why yeah. oh, that looks like a guy someone might come along with that or perhaps more likely you would have like one of the major publishers would buy it and use it as their own personal mouthpiece blog that would stop Kotaku being what they were.
0: That would probably be pretty expensive for a marketing
1: mouthpiece. Yeah, but you've got a lot of eyeballs on that thing.
0: Yeah, but see, gamers are savvy, and they would know right away that uh, that some funky was going on. they just stop going there. Maybe. They would. Like, they'd figure it out pretty quickly that, like... All of a sudden, this is owned by
1: Ubisoft or whoever. Well, I mean, Kotaku and and all those, you know, the Gawker blogs learned that firsthand when they did that one, like, you know, uh, website changeover several years ago, many years ago actually at this point. Yeah. And, like, their traffic just went through the floor. Like, because, like, no one liked the formatting and they changed it eventually. But, like, I mean, you know all about being forced into terrible web decisions. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the reason we're talking about the whole Gawker thing is because now here's another major traditional gaming journalism website mm-hmm. essentially in peril
1: yeah which does you know I mean, look, they're the be, ones that broke the uh, you know the playstation 4.5 thing they broke they've they broke broken the more stuff. stories than you could talk they've got patrick klepek who's you know one of the good i think one of the examples of like you know real journalism For and in sure. gaming these you know no, you, they you have do,
0: like jason schreier's really good yeah. he's there and we already talked about stephen totillo like But see, that's the thing. Like, if you don't have real journalists like Kotaku covering the industry, that stuff never happens. Like,. Mm -hmm suddenly everything is controlled by the publishers or the youtubers or streamers who are just basically the publishers puppets that are just dancing yeah. around like I
1: mean I'll be enthusiastic about any game you want for 10 grand yeah <laughs> about how much they pay with some of those big that uh, is how much those big pay. let's play guys yeah
0: for like a couple hours yeah so. just
1: to look at the game even yeah, just, yeah that's all
0: and there's something that paid a lot more than that too actually mm-hmm. so so what I'm seeing is like, This shift away from that type of journalism, the people who will dig and who will put a relationship on the line with a publisher to break a story, to give us news that we want, that we get excited over, that brings joy to our hearts. It's, you know, say what you want about, like, those leaked images of the NX controller. Mm -hmm. It was exciting to look at them, like... I refuse
1: to wait until the appointed time to know what the next Assassin's Creed is setting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's certainly a salacious
1: sort of element to it as well. Like you can't really deny that. There's a tabloid element to it. Yeah, yeah. And again, like like I don't like what Gawker I don't like Hulk Hogan very much either, but I don't like I don't like what Gawker did to him. Yeah. The, I mean they they really did lose him his livelihood. Like this is not a frivolous lawsuit on his part.
0: I mean, I don't and think he
1: lost his life. I think he got him fired from arrest. No one in that industry will touch him again. Yeah. It'll take years before anyone even takes a shot I mean, at him. He was at he'll the probably end of he'll his probably be dead anyway. by then.
0: And he does it, he did say those words,
1: so he did. it's not like somebody made him say them like He's gay. But he'd already taken care of that, and you can't just go against the court like that. I mean, like, look,
0: right, yeah.
1: Nobody, but, nobody really has a right to know, just because, he, you know, and, and then the, what's the guy, the head of Gawker or whatever wrote that op-ed where he's right. like, Hulk Hogan deserves less privacy than the rest of us because he decided yeah. to be a celebrity. Oh, Gawker like, made huge mistakes. And it's just like, it's like, that is just, you're just like, so straight up, he was yeah. dressed like a celebrity, so he should get attacked, is what that was. But it, like, to me, that sucks, like, you know, And for what? It's not like they broke Watergate here, you know? They broke a stupid little story about a wrestler that no one really cared about in the mainstream for like 25 years or maybe whenever whenever his reality show was on. But, like, they, and now, that might end up costing, like, hundreds of people their jobs. I know. One guy's... No one at Kotaku or Jezebel or Jalopnik or... Knew anything about it. Or IO9 or any of those places had anything to do with this, and within a year, they might be out of a job because they decided we all needed to know about Hulk Hogan's dick.
0: Yeah. And we didn't. No. We really didn't. Certainly certainly
1: not in exchange for all those people's livelihoods. Yeah.
0: So, to circle it all back around, where is this all headed, Matt? Like...
1: No, we're good.
0: I mean, like, I said in the prior episode about GT that I wouldn't, in one of the, the Q&A at the end, like, that I wouldn't be surprised in five years if, like, IGN and Kotaku were the last two standing, and now, with Kota- you know,
1: IGN, or Kotaku brought to you by IGN, maybe. Or, actually. right, and IGN buys Kotaku
0: or whatever, because that is, yeah. like, a
1: niche that it could fill for them. Definitely. But. IGN is a little light on the you know hardline journalism is, stuff. Yeah. And they could be, they could have an investigative department now off of that. That'd be an interesting idea.
0: But where is this headed, Matt? Is this is this all headed to a place where everyone just thinks everything is awesome?
1: Everything is cool when you're part of a team. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, it took everything I had to not <laughs> sing the song. <laughs>
2: Like I don't know. D- yeah,
1: you know, I think you'll always have stuff like you know. There are YouTube channels I watch now and then that like uh, you know get get decently critical. Uh, there's a guy I watch. Uh, Total
0: Biscuit. He Total Biscuit
1: critical. does that. Uh, Super Bunny Hop is not as well known, but he uh, yeah I've
0: watched some of does
1: his does you cre- curate some stuff of his once in a while. And he yeah. he you know if he doesn't like a game he will get into it and he and if he doesn't like a trend in the industry he'll do a really interesting op-ed piece about it i haven't agreed with a single one of them but he argues yeah. his stuff well yeah. and he's and he's a very he is a critical voice and it doesn't seem like people go after him any more than normal but um in terms of like an actual journalistic outlet that exists and people they do reviews and they do investigative stuff and they do features and they just like i don't know I, I guess there's just not enough money to maintain something like that anymore
0: and i would also maintain that it's not just a video games thing like you see mm-hmm. it in sports and you see it in politics, where people join a side, and mm-hmm. they don't want real news. All they want They is, want their
1: viewpoint reinforced.
0: Yes. They don't want the truth at all. Yeah. And that's what journalism gives you, like real journalism. It gives you the truth. But people don't want that. Like People mm-hmm. just want something that affirms their opinion already. Like... Whatever they build up, PlayStation's the best, Xbox is the best, Nintendo is the best, the mm-hmm. Steelers are the best, the, <laughs> whatever it is, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is the best. Like, they, they don't want somebody to tell them, no, that's not the best, and here's why. They want someone to say, yeah, you're right, that mm-hmm. is the best.
1: Right. And I think, you know, maybe the, the future, and I think it's been kind of hinting in this direction, I think, you know, the various publishers will have kind of their own press outlet wing you know it'll, it'll be a, well, i mean you can already see some of these journalists like doing
0: like the hosting gigs for yeah. publishers yeah. and like i'm not going to name any names but there's a lot of people out there now that like jump ship pretty quick from the journal the journalism that they said that they were doing mm-hmm. before to become basically employees of the publishers
1: yeah well i mean there's there's that famous panel from uh, one of the avengers comics where they go recruiting spider-man and the panel is just iron man holding spider-man and iron man says we have money yeah. and spider-man says oh thank god yeah like that's that's what you know there's not a lot of money out there for for you know the standard what, what we used to do yeah you know it's not it's gone you know That's and crazy and uh you know that world is not there anymore you know we yeah. i grew up reading magazine reviews of video games and thinking oh i'd love to do that and i did do that i did you yeah. know in some form i mean i did tv but i yeah, did yeah. some form of it and you know i still you know it still like blows my mind when i go to like game events and andy eddie will talk to me you know yeah. like those guys were heroes to me and nothing like that exists anymore like yeah. you don't even have to like aspire to shit like it's like you see someone on youtube that you love and think is really cool it's like Start a YouTube channel. Like, just yeah. do it yourself.
0: Well, I think you can see it, too, with the success of IGN versus all the other websites. Because mm-hmm. every other Very website... They're non-controversial. Well, it's not even just that. Like, they do kind of put, like, a happy, shiny, happy, whatever spin on everything. But they... The way they organize their website is, like, they... Mm -hmm. higher fans of each platform like the people who work on like ig and xbox they just work on ig and xbox Mm -hmm. and they are on the ig and xbox podcast every week same with nintendo same with sony who they're the only website that did that who is the only website that will probably be left standing Mm-hmm. when this all the dust settles
1: and although when you think about it uh, sifted kind of does it a little bit where like the point of sifted is you put in your preferences and you only see what you want to see it's true
0: Yep. but you know we don't put a slant on that no all. there's but no slant on that we let just... we let our users put their own slant but the,
1: on but, it, the yeah. but the path to success right now is at least perceived i don't know if it's true but it's perceived as just give people whatever they want like yeah. let them c- customize their experience so they're not being confronted with things they don't want to be confronted with. So they're by. not uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Fox News isn't the top news network for nothing. Oh, no, yeah. And it's MSNBC true. does the same thing from the other side. But it know? completely fails. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why um, is that? I don't know. I would say because Fox News is more unique in the sense that there isn't a lot of you know conservative-leaning news reporting. I could be. New quote unquote news. I mean, it right. shouldn't be leaning anyway if you're right. news reporting. Right? If you're a reporter, yeah. But, um, you know, it's pretty, you know, as well, as well as the old saying goes, reality has a well known liberal bias. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it's very easy if you support conservative causes to, you know, think that Fox is the only one that doesn't think you're an idiot.
0: Yeah. So we still have an answer where is it all headed?
1: I don't know. I think it's headed to the hands of publishers uh, controlling their own messages. And I think it's headed to kind of private private citizens if you will having their own YouTube channels that are just about stuff they like
0: patreons
1: yeah I I, I don't see Because, look, s- if
0: Kotaku closes down and nobody buys them you can pretty much guarantee that a few of the guys from Kotaku will start their own patreon band together thing. and start a patreon yeah. you know and there's
1: something I mean you know and like I was thinking you know I mean I know like you know clepic was was concerned about you know the future after after the the verdict came down and I was thinking like Oh, he'll he'll be. I mean, everybody knows him. He's great. He's great at his job. And then I thought, like, well, who's hiring for that job?
0: There is nobody hiring. Not
1: really. You know. So what? It's do you like do? the old GT guys. It's like, where do you go? Right. When there's no place to go. It's like you move into development or you start your own thing channel. Yeah. I guess. I know. mean, look.
0: Even five years ago, it never used to be that way. If no. you left one publication, there were twenty other ones there that could hire right. you. And it's just well, at not the end that of G4
1: or was it, you know. If the end of g4 was like now i'm i bet we would have all got together well we're just gonna do x play on youtube yeah you know and like hope that it or do a patreon gain some some steam yeah i'm sure that we could have done that i mean the truth of the matter is you could probably
0: do it now (laughs) yeah but everybody's moved
1: on and got other things right or have they some of them (laughs) but again in a lot of people that did move on and even if they would have time to do it they work on the publishing side or they work on the marketing side now and like you can't do that so here's my
0: concern with the shiny happy future as it were that that i believe is is coming is that you know when does the money run out first of all it's been a huge paradigm shift just for people to pay for content or websites period you know even with sifted like we were in early and it was a weird concept for people but people now it's like when we first launched I'd get messages from people on, on Twitter. They'd be like, are you crazy? You're trying to ask me to, like, pay for, like, this show? Like, you know, I'd promote Game Face on Twitter or mm. or even Pactor. Like, when it first launched, people would be like, "Paying for this? I got it for free for blah, blah, blah. I don't really hear any of that anymore. Like, I don't really get any negative feedback about the site as far as it being a subscription website. And to be honest with you, that was one of the big concerns I had whenever I started working on the concepts for it is I was like, man, like, it could be just something that just dogs the website forever until it mm-hmm. fails or whatever but that really hasn't been the case it was like the first couple months like i would get messages here and there and like the first week packed or launched a couple of people were like screw you but since then like the tides have really turned and people are more open and accepting of paying for content or subscribing to websites and things like that but the question then becomes like How big is that pool of people who are willing to pay? And will it grow fast enough to help support all these other ventures as they start to come out? Because the other thing, too, is that, like, you even look at big websites or sites that used to be big websites, and, like, now they they have, like, Patreons to like, survive. Or they'll start a Patreon to say, oh, we want to launch this new show. If you guys give us X amount of dollars, we'll launch it. So it's, like, now there's, like, these hybrid models happening where you have websites that are running ads, and doing it the old way, but they're also asking for money from Patreon mm-hmm. and other crowdfunding sources. So, it's a finite resource, How you know, right now. How much money mm-hmm. the consumers and the, the gamers are willing to spend on yeah. stuff like this. And I
1: also think there's, you know, some corporations are kind of still willing to stick their toe in there. And, like, not in the necessarily traditional thing. But I think, like, keep an eye on that Lionsgate Comic Con VOD service they're trying to. You know, I think there's still some places where like the the big time kind of you know traditional media companies are still trying to figure out if they can leverage this this geek thing for something and maybe something like that will catch and maybe it won't if it doesn't i don't know i think we're down to basically a community that funds its own people at this point you know because that's the other thing is like okay the game trailer you know easy allies is doing well uh, and let's say it, it, you know, it, it's up to like 30,000 a month now, that's a respectable sum, no, for uh, sure. it's going to keep going, I'm sure, you know, they'll, they'll, they're not done by any means, uh, and they start doing their stuff and like, you know, how long do people stay interested, how long do people stay p- pledging, how long do people stay subscribed,
0: right.
1: and then once, if that, what if that dries up, what if that goes away in you know, a few years, uh, then what do those guys do, yeah. what's next? You know, have they established themselves as something else? Have they established their own channels? Are they a separate thing? Like, how much money can people throw around? And like, sometimes it feels like that's bottom. You know, when you look at something like Star Citizen, which is up to like 120, yeah, you're like, it's a 120 <laughs> freaking million dollars donated. I think like maybe it just doesn't end. You know, yeah. maybe you know, maybe you just need to. I don't know. Maybe they need to talk about spaceships more on these things. I don't yeah. know. But like, that's what I wonder. Like in 10 years, is like, you know, how are these things being funded? Are you know people funding corporate ventures finding it all at all worthwhile or interesting or useful and if we are still sort of functioning in this weird sort of private sector area that we've all ended up in with this patreon and subscription based method uh have will we have managed to turn around the attitude towards paying for content into something that can make it a sustainable business model
0: one thing that always puzzles me is why did giant bomb go back to cbs and GameSpot?
1: I don't even have a theory on that. I
0: can't understand it. I've never talked to Jeff about it. I've known Jeff forever. But I've never... It's just one of those things where I just don't feel comfortable. And I, I shouldn't feel comfortable asking him, like, why? You know, if he wanted people to know that, he would put it out in the public. I mean, that,
1: that's a late, drunken night at the fig question. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I still am just puzzled. Like, you, to
0: lose your independence...
1: I don't know. Better Maybe than, they just made it. Than, better than losing your company. It
0: is. Yeah, but I mean, I always... I, I always thought Giant Bomb was doing great. I mean, their their subscription cost is double ours, and they have way more subscribers than we do. So
1: yeah, but at the same time, they have a more, lot more, more people, more facilities, yeah. uh, more in a more expensive city. Well, Giant Bomb um, was actually
0: operating in like Petaluma, in like Jeff's house, basically. Oh yeah,
1: I thought they were in yeah. San Francisco at this point.
0: Well, they are now. Once they once they were purchased right. again by. Gamespot and CBS. Then they moved into mm-hmm. like the offices, so they obviously save overhead and all that type of thing. But you know, you don't own it anymore. So I don't know. It's always puzzling to me why they would do that after because it's hard. I mean, I can attest that it's really hard to start your own company. And like they made it through the really hard part, which is like the first like two years. Like mm-hmm. that's when you struggle to like build your user base and like you know get become solvent with money. And like for them to make it well past that and then sell, it's just
1: I I kind of expected something to happen to them. I don't even know if they sold. I really don't
0: even know what happened there. I, just I don't know. It.
1: I mean, I was like, well, I guess CBS is going to fold them into something soon. or whatever. And it never happened. They seem to have yeah. retained their independence. Seems, so yeah. Maybe he made a really good deal. Maybe he got some kind of guarantee in writing. Could I don't be. know.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, whatever. I hope it worked out great for Jeff. He deserves every penny that he can make off Giant Bomb. So, I think that's it. I think that's going to wrap up our the big six. Uh, some great topics today, man. We got some fiery discussion Arr. going on today. I'm going to go to our trailer of the week and it is a long one and my throat is getting hoarse. I think I may have been yelling more today than I typically do. Is that true? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. This was a, some like a lot of the subjects today were just things that make Shane mad. Yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) (laughs) When news is low, tempers flare.
0: Yeah, I was fired up today. So our trailer of the week is actually a long one. It's like seven minutes long, but it is seven minutes of awesome. Um, So Blizzard, here's a little anecdote for you. I did post this on one of the stories on Sifted. So after I left GT, uh, I was actually contacted by Blizzard to go down and interview for a job. Um, It was working in their video department. And uh, I went and met with all the people who work on video there. And I went into one of their buildings and literally... Two floors, the size of football fields, all just for creating cinematics. I was blown away. They take their cinematics very, very seriously, and this is evidence of that. This is a animated short for Overwatch called Recall. Let's roll it.
2: Generator test ready to proceed <sighs> Now now no need for that Winston your heart rate is I told you to stop monitoring my vitals, Athena. Very well. It has been 43 days, 7 hours and 29 seconds since you last had your workout. Remember, a healthy body is... Healthy mind. That's why I have this. News of this sort. We go through this. I remind you, recalling Overwatch agents to active duty comes with great risk. The Petrus Act clearly states any Overwatch activity is deemed illegal and punishable by prosecution. I know. You're right. That's the way the world is. (sighs) But I do miss the old days. I think you have something that belongs to me. Hand them over. Oh, it's okay. You're not in trouble. Oh, I'll trade you. There you go, buddy. There's not much to see from in here, kiddo. But you know there's more out there, don't you? Come on. It's time I showed you something. I'm detecting intruders. Calvin. Athena. If there was more out there. Well, see for yourself. <sighs> Always remember, never accept the world as it appears to be dare to see it for what it could be. Winston! 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 He's going to have all agents' locations. I'll be sure to send them your regards, monkey. I'm not a monkey. (laughs) I'm a scientist. Fatling, ninety eight percent. Hang on, Athena. Athena? Athena. Virus quarantined. I'm running diagnostics on the core database. Restoring systems. Never accept the world as it appears to be. Dare to see it for what it could be. Establishing agent connections.
1: Winston, is that
2: you, love?
0: So it's funny that one that's amazing. That is like some incredible Ugh. CG. Like to make that just to promote a video game is crazy.
1: A video game with almost no story.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they're kind of trying to build the lore yeah, I think, it
1: outside of it yeah. with
0: that. But the other thing, too, is that it actually reminds me of like the whole like Easy Allies thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> like getting the band back together type thing. So kind of appropriate for this week. A little long, but the good news is it gave you guys plenty of time to get questions in. Like we literally have. A storm of questions. Let me see if I can find the first one here. Um, let's see. Oh gosh, it keeps scrolling.
1: Uh, Let me turn it this way. First one after uh, you asked asked questions is Eric Estrada twelve who asked with spiritual successors. <laughs> yep, spiritual successor games like Ukulele Mighty no- Number Nine Bloodstained and Light. Do you think the games? These games are successors to are dead for good or still have a chance to make a comeback. Like Assassin's Creed is a successor to Prince of Persia, and now Prince of Persia looks like it's never coming back.
0: So he's asking, like, will Banjo Kazooie come? Banjo Kazooie ever
1: come back? Will Castlevania ever come back? Will you know that kind of thing? Even though, will Mega Man ever come back? Even though they've got, they're going to have you know some of the creators that worked on those are making kind of all same, but in name, not in name, all but the name games. I don't
0: think there's any way to make a blanket. That create sort of a blanket response to that because with every publisher and developer, it's different. Yeah, like I don't Konami, think Castlevania is
1: ever coming back. Yeah,
0: I would say that. Like with Konami and Castlevania, yeah. like I would be really surprised if it ever comes back. They dropped EGA, they did the yeah, I, the, mm-hmm. the Mercury Stream stuff. They're already working on another game. Like yeah, I mean it's really yeah, think, crazy. Think to think Konami's
1: more... Pro- Konami's properties are over for the time being. Yeah, like, I don't see those coming back anytime soon. Uh, Mega Man I don't think Mega Man will ever be gone. I think Mega Man will will continue in some form. Uh maybe not in the form that Mighty Number no. 9 takes like a you know a Well high... Mega
0: Man's already coming back. They just did a uh they just put up a poll in Japan yesterday about it like asking mm-hmm. fans like what they would want. So something's going to happen with Mega Man. Banjo I don't know man. that depends on a lot. Yeah. Like Banjo, I don't think it dep- I don't think any of this but I guess to answer the question, I don't think any of this matters. Or is influenced by how good or bad yeah. these spiritual successors? Yeah, were. I
1: don't think the existence of the spiritual success- successors anything. is going to change it. I, mean, I think if they were like Prince of Persia, you think Ubisoft would ever go back to Prince of Persia? Maybe. I mean, I don't know it's kind why. Of redundant,
0: but yeah. but yeah.
1: I mean, I, I feel like Prince of Persia's wouldn't lend itself to the Ubisoft formula. You know, like yeah. If you can't go around collecting flags, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get a game.
0: Oh my gosh, there's so many questions, folks. Uh, let me see.
1: Nolan Elric, have I seen Batman vs. Superman yet? No. Uh, I see it tomorrow night. Uh, have I read the reviews? Yes. <laughs> not uh, good. And even as a Batman vs. Superman skeptic who does not like anything Zack Snyder has ever made, I did not expect them to be this negative. Like, it is beyond what I expected. I am a little shocked. And I don't feel like it's... Can possibly be that bad, but like, I guess we'll see.
0: Uh, let's see. Should God this is from Mike the Cool Guy? Should God Mode only be a DLC option?
1: Like something you'd pay to have? I
0: guess. No, I think it should be in every game. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I said earlier in the show, I just think it should just be a part of games. I think everybody should be able to enjoy every game however they want to, so. Uh, lots of talk. Everybody seemed to like the uh, trailer of the week. Really, really good stuff. Mm. Lots of positive comments about it.
1: Oh, Other. and I did want to note that I think uh, my Day of the Tentacle pick was warranted for the Fantasy League, looking at some of the reviews. Yeah, this it's doing okay. It's like 87 right yeah,
0: now. Yeah, that's good. You got that pretty late in the draft, didn't you? Yeah. At that point, you'll just take it. Uh, Shane Battle... This is from Crawford Hannah. Shane Battleborn is always online. Thoughts? Sucks. <laughs> I think I made my position pretty clear on always online during this episode. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. I'm okay with it with games where it needs to be that way and it's a necessity. But with the games that I mentioned, like uh, the division, like you could easily play the single player in that game without it being connected to the internet. Battleborn so. of single player. It has like co. It does, yeah. But it's 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 kind of like the division and then it's like you can play it by yourself but you really want to play it with others basically mm-hmm. it's like four player co-op uh, let's see from this is four Vidya games thoughts on the closure of evolution studios it seems like every week a new dev is closing now also the developer of scribble knots was the whole the studio wasn't completely dissolved but the team working on the new scribble knots was let go so. Mm. Um, Evolution Studios, a pretty good short run, really. Like They made the MotorStorm games, mm-hmm. um, which I really liked a lot, and I felt like it, they kind of found their own niche. Uh, when they moved over, though, to, to like a more traditional like sim racer, like, I just felt like they lost mm-hmm. like their unique selling proposition.
1: Oh, was that Drive Club? Yeah, and it was mm-hmm. also delayed a bunch Drive, of times. Yeah, Drive it's Club not- had a real rocky... Not even start, just, like, it yeah, was, like, six everything. months of problems.
0: Look, I feel bad for anyone anytime they lose their jobs, but in the case of Evolution Studios, I do feel like it was a little bit of their own doing. I mean... Mm-hmm. They stumbled in places, and... And, look, they had made a
1: bunch of games before. I don't know what happened with Drive Club, man. I don't know. I mean, it was. it's a beautiful game. It like, is, it's just, yeah. It's just, like, it nothing... I don't think any other game is, quite nails the feeling of driving in the rain like yeah. Drive Club does, but... And I think they, I think they were also sabotaged a little bit by the weird rollout of it, where it was like, oh, there's you can buy the disc version, or you can buy the digital version, or you can, if your PlayStation Plus, was yeah, it was very confusing. Free, free, but you can't but get everything that's on yeah. this version. But this, and then the PlayStation Plus version didn't even happen for it like months. It got way too confusing. And it just, yeah. Yeah, I think in the end, everybody just sort of like backed away from it and was just like, I'm just gonna play Project Cars. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: the bottom line is that they just didn't really hit their deadlines for the game, and so everything kind of got pushed back, and it just made it even more confusing because mm-hmm. things weren't getting. Released when they were supposed to.
1: So and then when they finally started rolling out like the you know the extra DLC and the season pass stuff, when I'd see it pop up in like the you know the, the PlayStation Network store feed, I'd just be like, oh yeah, that game. Yeah, let's go on to the next. Thing. You know, I yeah, was, I was past it. It was over. In the
0: last Motor Storm, I didn't really play all that much. Like I think I played like I didn't have to review it, so mm-hmm. I think I played like a couple hours of it. And Motor I just...
1: Storm was imp- had a lot of impressive moments though. I like, yeah. you know a, the Pacific like the Ram of Fire or whatever that was. Well, like, I always remember the bull shots, like the first time oh, it was yeah. ever
0: shown off, where they had like the mud on the windshield and the wipers <laughs> was like sloshing it like. Still, PlayStation Four
1: not there. Still not there.
0: Yeah, yeah. so. And I'll always remember my interview with Phil Harrison, too, where I, like, took his ass to task. Like, Hmm. I think we were at DICE? I think we were at DICE or GDC or something, and uh, it was, like, I don't know, about eight or nine months after the PlayStation 3 had been out for a while, and, like, the cards were on the table at that point. And I just literally, I, I don't know if I can dig up that interview on GT. I don't know if you can dig up anything on GT at this point. But I literally just went after him. like just like, you know, that was a bunch of lies, like what you guys showed at your press conference. Like I just spelled it all out and like I thought he would never talk to me again after that. He was mad, dude. like I could tell. I think
1: because I, I think must I think that was GDC because we interviewed him uh, there at that same around that same GDC I think it was. And Adam asked something similar, and he went, he probably dunked. got it. At, I think probably he probably came after, it was after your interview, and I yeah. think he, he was like, How come everyone's like pissed about us? I yeah,
0: like, I look, I when I did interviews, man, I pulled no punches, like, I was fair, like, I'd give them a chance to talk about their game, but I would mm-hmm. ask him hard questions, and that's one thing I will say, like, if you with the way things are going with game journalism right now, like, that's not going to happen anymore. You just have a bunch of people going up, going, hey, you're awesome. Tell me how awesome your game is. Like, that's <laughs> So awesome. To me, that's not interesting. Like, maybe I'm different from a lot of people, but I want to hear real interviews talking about real questions and real issues and getting answers to questions people really want answers to. Mm-hmm. And the way things are well, headed right now, it's like, well, clearly, you're I, not going to see interviews like that much like, longer.
1: Whatever, whatever, you know, that, that form of game journalism is, you know, you know, the publishers would prefer if like game journalism was just sort of like the extras on a DVD oh no you know? everything I mean, is going you know, exactly the like way that. the publishers want like yeah. I
0: can't tell you how many interviews I did where like afterwards like the PR person would be like oh, wow you really and I'm like damn right I did it's my freaking job like uh, I hate where things are going man like uh, I hate to be like get off my lawn but I just don't see a lot of value in a lot of the games journalism anymore. I just really don't, so. Uh, let's see. I wish
1: Blizzard games looked anywhere near this good, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. Angry Joe does a good job, I think. Uh, does a good job of Abram what? of being, like, taking, holding people to task. Um, does he? Now and then, yeah. The thing about Angry Joe is, like, uh, I I, don't, I think it's the character he plays is kind of tiresome, but I've talked to him in person and he is when he's not that character. He is one of the coolest, like like you know, knowledgeable gamer. Like he's super like cool to talk to about games. Like it's it's really interesting. Like when he's off stage, yeah, that it's just like he really is just one of us. You know, he's just one of the. But he will get up there and he'll yell at like developers or like get into the into it with them sometimes. But if it's something he really cares about. And, uh, yeah, he is pretty fearless about that. I don't know how much, like, traction he gets off of it. I'm not a fan
0: of Angry Joe. (laughs) I'm just going record. So I've seen a lot of questions, people asking me, what is the Sifted logo? And I'm going to show you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get up and show you. So just stay on that two shot.
1: You're attached to the microphone. I'm actually
0: moving during Game phase. So... People are like, is it a comb? Is it whale's teeth? I saw, <laughs> which is great. I really appreciate that. So, uh, yes,
1: the baleen logo. Okay.
0: Of- so the first, exactly. So the first thing I want to say is that the the big S is a sifter, and I don't know if you guys even know what a sifter is, but a sifter is like a, a round cylindrical like thing that you put like flour in, and there's a handle on the side that you crank, and there's these little things on the inside that spin around to sift whatever it is that you have in there. And so that's what these lines are. They're the little bars inside the sifter. And then as far as the, the lines coming down, so on the top, these represent like huge blocks of information, and then when we get to the line, which represents the website, which is the sift, it breaks it down into all these smaller categories so it's easier to consume. So that's what the logo is. And I know people probably looked at it forever and be like, what the heck is it? But that's, that's what the sifted logo is. So. I
1: thought it was an S.
0: Well, it is an S. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's like, it is an S for sifted, but it also is a, is much, much more. So that's the logo. Any Maybe one more question?
1: No, oh, this set is not... No, the set is not CG. This is, no, it's real.
0: This is real. The funny thing is, is, like, we have a TriCaster, and it actually has, like, these crazy, like, virtual sets in it. Like, you can... It's it's insane. Like if we all you need is a green screen, and Matt and I could literally be standing in this crazy like ESPN. <laughs> st- <laughs> like maybe for like April Fools, maybe we do like a fun mm. like goofy show or something where we just have like some weird. Bur- we'll, we'll figure something out. But yeah, we could do that, but we don't. The set's actual actually real, and you can touch it. <laughs> uh, one more question before we. Call it a night. It's been a long show. It's nine fifteen, so we've been wow. on. We've been live streaming for three hours and fifteen minutes now. People, definitely get your money's worth with us. Uh, definitely a comb, Vina says. <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant S for Shane. Uh, let's see. The S stands for hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't see any other questions. Do you? Um... Oh, here's one from Left. Leffy Louvre, I think Leffy Louvre. Have you seen Yahtzee's review of The Division and if so do you agree?
1: Well
0: Well, I don't want to completely tip my hand did you see it by any chance? I did
1: Um, I don't agree with him but he just basically said it was boring and repetitive and but like You don't agree
0: that it's repetitive?
1: I think it's repetitive but that doesn't bore me Every game is repetitive when you reduce it to the level he reduced it to I mean I enjoy the it's just like Destiny I enjoy the physical gameplay element of shooting yeah, uh, in that game. I think it feels good. I don't think it feels as good as Destiny, but I do think it feels good. Um, and also, like, Yahtzee hates online games, and he hates multiplayer, so it's, it's not, yeah. it didn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think what surprised me is he quit the game after, like, ten hours. He just stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, both of us did see his... I don't even call it reviews. Like, when we uh, tag his stuff, we just call it opinion. We don't want to get his stuff in with, like, the other re- more traditional reviews. But, uh... And a lot of it is comedy, like he. It's, you know, sometimes he writes lines to make sure he gets a laugh out of his stuff, which I mm-hmm. totally get. You know, we worked it. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think I think Yahtzee is entertainment. Yeah, yeah, but... for sure. But he has some pretty good criticism
0: at times there, there. too. Like yeah. I, I admire the guy. So uh, I would agree with some of the stuff he said. I do think it's repetitive. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that all the way. Like I mean, there are literally like five mission types that you just play over and over yep. again. But I think he just doesn't enjoy shooting, maybe as much as I do. Um, I mean, obviously, I didn't quit. I'm mm. about 30 plus hours into the game, and I'm still going. So I wouldn't say I completely agree with his assessment of the game, but I do think that he made some uh, some salient points, and I think that's what you can probably say about every one of Yahtzee's videos. Yeah, is that you're not agree with, and it, everyone's probably reviews. Like you're I never don't really agree. think about
1: too much about whether I agree with him or not. On that. I just think yeah. that I just watch it to hear what funny things he has to say about the game and. Usually they're true for the most yeah. part, and are, or at least like a, an interesting observation or a point of view on on little quirks about the games, and that's what I'm, that's what they're for. He's been doing that for like eight years now. Yeah, like this he's, that. Remember when that first started? Everyone's like, "Well, people get tired of that after like five or six of them." It's well, like, mm. I mean,
0: to be fair, it's it's not as popular as it used to be.
1: No, but it's still going.
0: Here's a fun story. Uh, we tried to get Yahtzee. On game trailers. Like, we went so through we. crazy negotiations to try to get that guy. And for whatever reason, he went with this little website called The Escapist. never understand it. Still to this day, he never gave us a reason. Um, we put a very fair offer on the table. Maybe The Escapist just threw, like, gobs of money at him. I
1: don't know. Maybe. I don't We, because we did get him on X-Play. Cause that was the year X-Play went daily. Yeah. And we did get, like, a thing where we would air a minute, but the day before it went up for the week, we would air a minute of it. Censored with with like um, bleeped yeah, the, yeah. the swearing bleep because obviously we we're TV, um, and then the whole thing would go up on the Escapist the following day, and that lasted for like a year. Um, and I was never clear on the the detail because that when I what happened there was like I watched his original video on YouTube, and I was like, we have to get this guy, and like you know just this flurry of all these outlets trying to get him happened, and he ended up at Escapist, which I'd never heard of, but there were a lot of some ex Tech TV people there, including yeah. including Russ Pitts. Um, so maybe maybe he just you know Russ Pitts can can pitch a deal so uh, maybe uh, they just seemed like the people who would let him do what he wanted could be we have
0: made him a very very great offer I was shocked when he turned me down but it is what it is uh, one last question I just saw I wanted to read Um, Seeing the success the GT guys have had with Patreon Does it make you consider adding a Patreon to Sifted for extra content? That's from K. DeBolt Um, We've actually been thinking about adding a donation option for Sifted for quite a while I've been approached by a lot of subscribers Who want to be able to contribute to the site financially uh, But don't feel like doing it at $30 a time By buying gifted certificates and handing them out Uh, They just prefer to give us a chunk of money. So we're we're looking into ways to do that right now. In fact, I just had a call with Brent about it yesterday. So I wouldn't say their success uh, changed anything that we were working on before, but I think it made us realize it's a lot more viable. And we shifted it up in the queue in the list of stuff that we were working on. So I guess that's the best way to put it. So yeah, there will be uh, an opportunity for people to donate, essentially, and invest in sifted in the very near future um there will be some perks on site perks associated with that so it wouldn't just be like you're giving us money for nothing you would get some form of recognition on the site that we're not talking about just yet so yeah i think that's it man we got to close it down we're going on three and a half hours of streaming right here
1: gotta eat yeah
0: i am i am starving (laughs) actually so well it's been a great episode thanks for all the great questions thanks to everyone who stuck around for the full three hours and 15 minutes plus Um, We really appreciate it. The stream, really lively tonight. Lots of great questions, lots of great comments. I'll definitely read it later to catch up with all you guys. But for now, game phase is up and out.